everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy. I'm your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh, and uh, this is part of our holiday season episodes, and we have a special return guest with us. Do you want to introduce yourself, return guest? Sure. What's going on, everyone? Nathan Bell here. Excited to be back talking Star Wars with y'all. Which is somehow something that... (laughs) Through the 30 episodes or, or that we did of Pop Culture Ninja, we never actually talked a single time about Star Wars. Yeah. I think um, I think we were both busy when yeah. the last Star Wars, uh, Star Force Wars, Awakens. Uh, not Force Awakens, uh, but because I think we didn't start the podcast after Force Awakens. Okay. The, very, the very first time I was on these go to 11, yep. we were speculating about Force Awakens yes. and someone called me out for spoilers, but which right. turned out to be wrong because right. I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> But, uh, no, Rogue One. Yes. Rogue One was out. And then I think we, you know, the way these things are, that big movie was out the next time we podcast, something else big was out. Yes. So we, today's episode is all about Star Wars. We're going to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi that we've both seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the way this is going to work, and we're also going to talk about, very briefly, kind of our thoughts about the series, and then a little bit about the Star Wars fandom yeah. at large. And yeah. kind of, too, I think, the relationship between fandom and the series yeah. or the 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 entertainment that people sort of idolize and latch onto and sort of desperately kind of want to be a part of and build into. I think there's healthy elements to that and there can be not so healthy elements to it. <laughs> I think that the question really becomes is what level is healthy for the art itself? You know, mm. the relationship between the art and the artist. I'm sure George Lucas has a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. Uh, and you could look at that as positively and negatively. I think that uh, regardless of what George Lucas himself thinks about The Last Jedi, I feel like The Last Jedi is probably going to, is is currently facing fandom in a similar way that Lucas's prequels, regardless of what you think about them. Sure. I think the relationship is similar uh, because I think we're both, we're dealing with movies where an artist had a very specific vision mm-hmm. and they put that vision ahead of any concerns about what are the fans who receive right. this going to think about it? Right. The question for us is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, mm. uh, Do you have a responsibility to the fans of something once you've created this world and put it out there for them? Are you really beholden to the people who have sort of made you what mm. you are? Yeah. Um, but that's all, that's all maybe for a little bit later. Sure. What I figure we could start with, Nathan, is just kind of talking about... Uh, just to get us up to speed with what you, because we haven't talked about Star Wars previously, yeah. the original trilogy, mm-hmm. the prequels, and then maybe a, a few more detailed thoughts about uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, Rogue One we can throw in there too, yeah. but I think Force Awakens because of how it plays into this movie. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, of course, you know, growing up with Star Wars, uh, I was born in 1981, um, growing up. And so, you know, the first one came out in, uh, 1978, uh, new hope. And you have, uh, every two years at that point, you had a new one coming out. So you had, uh, 1980 and then 1982, um, with 83 was 83, 83. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You're right. 83, um, return of the Jedi, you know? And so clearly growing up with Star Wars, you know, it was just, it was something that had, been put together in a unique way. Uh, I'm not going to say it had never been done before because all of the ideas that Lucas had for Star Wars came from other sources. You have a lot of ideas from Flash Gordon that's being drawn in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You had a lot of ideas coming from 
um, even like the World War II um, movies where they had the, the dogfight battles and things like that. You see remnants of those things in there with the TIE fighter and X-Wing fights coming in. And so there are a lot of ideas put together and being presented in such a u- unique way when it came to Star Wars. Uh, and, and Lucas, you know what? Get, give credit where credit's due. I don't think Lucas is a great director. Um, however, I think the man is a genius in terms of his ingenuity. I mean, coming out with industrial light and magic and setting the foundation for the way special effects were to be done, you, you would not have the caliber of movies we have today without those foundations of what was going on back in those early times with not just Lucas, but Spielberg. I mean, Lucas completely changed the way music was done back in the 1970s. Everybody was using disco at the time. Soundtrack score-wise, yeah. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to use an orchestra. We're going to have um, a composer come in and enter John Williams, one of, in my opinion, one of the, the most brilliant screen composers of all time coming in and setting up the score. I mean, who doesn't know when you hear that Imperial Death March? Who doesn't know that music? Yeah. You know? And the thing, too, is Spielberg's retained his his great filmmaker status. Yes. Lucas, maybe not so much. But he's very much the same kind of auteur, the same sort of, like, maverick kind of filmmaker that we applaud now when we see indie filmmakers and somebody like Ryan Johnson who's just directed The Last Jedi. Yeah. We applaud all these people taking risks and doing things and... Lucas is that kind of filmmaker. He mm-hmm. was, for better or worse, that kind of filmmaker when he made the prequels. Right. Uh, again, it may sound like I'm a prequel apologist. I'm I'm not in any way a prequel <laughs> apologist, but I will say he had a vision. He tried to develop and put forward the vi- vision he had in his head. Part mm-hmm. of the struggle you see, I think, in the prequels mm-hmm. is a person trying to take exactly what's in their their mind right. and put it on the film. Most people have to make concessions <laughs> right. on their way there. And he was still pioneering a lot of developmental technology yeah. that we still use in the prequels. I mean, there was still a lot of invention, a lot of and trying to call the shots and do it your own way. Right. And like the prequels are probably the most expensive independent films yeah. <laughs> you'll ever see in the sense that Lucas got them made with minimal studio, clearly right. minimal studio interference. He made them exactly the way he wanted right. or better or worse. That has to be applauded at a level. Oh yeah, in a world where everything else becomes kind of cookie cutter and studio. But yeah, no, I agree, and I think you know one of the things that you see with the originals uh, that was just absolutely uh, that was fantastic, and I think a lot of people forget this. Lucas did all of the work on A New Hope. Like that was him. That is Lucas's film right there, and I can even go back to A New Hope and be like, oh yeah, that's Lucas right there. Because I don't think it's a great film. I think it's I, I think it's I think it's great for the time. But like when you go back with a critical eye and you look at it, you can definitely see strings of Lucas in there. Like you can see those early ideas of prequel and things like that coming through the that film. You go to two where you have Irvin Kirshner who directs it, completely different film. Because Irvin Kirshner at the time was applauded for his character development, and that's what you see. You see in um, the Empire Strikes Back, this deep sense of character development, this deep sense of plot development, this this more um, tone in, in, in higher level of training that goes in with Luke and Yoda. And I mean, I mean, who else could take a puppet like Yoda and match him with a person and like 
Yoda has become one of the most iconic characters in Star Wars. But that's not because of Lucas. That's because of Irvin Kershner. And yeah, and I think it's a it's a it's a combination effort. I think the thing about Empire is there's still strongly a lot of Lucas on there. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was. I I don't think that necessarily the differences are down completely to Lucas directs all the prequels and and the fact that Lucas farms them out to uh, Richard Marcond in the last mm-hmm. movie and Irving Kirshner in the second movie. The other thing is if you look at Kirshner's other movies and Marcon's other and any work they both have done, it isn't really like there's this fantastic stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. all these guys. Uh, but I think it's the fact that Lucas was still sort of in that has something to prove mm. state. When Empire comes out, it's the sequel to a super successful movie, mm. but still a guy who hasn't built an empire, <laughs> no pun intended, right. and is sitting up here <laughs> being able to call all the shots. I think the other thing is the kind of movie making they had to do with Empire and Return of the Jedi. Still, lots and lots of technical, physical work. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots. When you have to do something like that, when your resources are limited uh, to, I've got to build this a certain way, I've got to do this. Restrictions? make better art mm. most of the time when you are restricted when you have to work with a lot of people who are very passionate about their own ideas you have to compromise mm. lucas made most of of the last three star wars in a computer yeah uh still lots of decisions sort of a lot of headbutting sure but you're filming a bunch of people in front of a green screen right and i'm not trying to be dismissive about that but he was in a place both like he had a lot of power mm-hmm to do whatever he wanted to do. Right. He had the whole filmmaking process allowed him to shape it much right. more. He's kind of sitting there and saying, let's do this. Right. Let's do that. Let's do this. Uh, and, and and not having really probably to work with people in the same way sure. he had to work the first three movies. So I think the thing is the prequels are kind of unfiltered, Lucas. You're watching yeah. them. But so in that, to me, let's just go through the movies real quick. Yeah. Like the, um, a New Hope, I love it. The thing I... And I think... I see what you're saying. Yeah, it definitely feels cheesy in places. Part of that is 70s cheese, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of movie making. Uh, the thing that's great about A New Hope is it's very much just like a B-movie space picture. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's a space opera. Right. There were a lot of other movies like that kind of around the time. Lucas's first movie, THX 1138, yeah. was very much a like dark dystopic like mm-hmm. sci-fi movie more in the in the reins of like um or more in the line of like Logan's Run yeah. or something like that or the Omega Man yeah. and very different in tone and it yeah. was all about like this kind of fascistic government and everything yep. a lot of those ideas are in Star Wars but it's like the tone is completely different right it's like you said like the the World War 2 he took like Every kind of matinee movie that was probably on television, every kind yeah. of serial when he was a kid, westerns, yeah. samurai movies. And that's really kind of a new hope is a lot of trying to take what Lucas loved about Akira Kurosawa movies sure. and like samurai movies, which necessary, which were maybe popular with niche environments in the yeah. 70s, but weren't big here. So he's trying to bring that whole, even the whole Jedi religion and each sure. of those touchstones that he could pull from, yeah. having actors like Alec Guinness in the movie help, yeah. obviously, and stuff yes. like that. I love A New Hope. I mean, I think it balances being silly with... Also, there's that perspective. I guess as we go to get to The Last Jedi, we can talk about this. The perspective in A New Hope, and, and Lucas has had a few quotes where he's like basically saying he was thinking very spiritually at the mm-hmm. time. Or he was sort of on a spiritual quest at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was open to 
ideas about God and what do right. I think about God and, 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 you know, a kind of worldview all seems to be sort of on the, like, op, very optimistic and very much considering the possibilities of a world with a kind of central theistic force, sure. if you will. I mean, I say theistic, but at the same time, there's a lot of very Zen yeah. and Eastern ideas melded together with the force. But the force is, there's optimism and hope and respect for the Jedi right. and their adherence to the force. And it's kind of shunned by everybody else in this technological world. Like right. They make fun of Vader. Right. And Obi-Wan looks like a crazy old man because right. he's talking about the force. So... All of that stuff I really loved. And Empire is a stronger movie, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's dramatically a stronger movie. But it really wouldn't be what it is without A New Hope. And I, and I think I would agree with that. You know, I, I think that one of the things that they did with Empire is they took all the things that were good about A New Hope and they improved on them. So you had the battle scene that you had with Obi-Wan and Vader. You have this interesting, you know, lightsaber duel going on. That, I mean, you know, really at the end of the day, if you look at it, it's these two old guys battling each other. There's not a whole lot action-wise going on, but it's interesting. It brought an interesting element to That's it. That's where you get that Bushido samurai thing. Yeah. Two guys kind of just pace back and forth, and every once in a while the swords Exactly. Um, and, and Empire improved on that. So when you yeah. get to Empire Strikes Back, you actually have this more epic battle that goes on between Luke and Vader that's, that's very interesting. And it, and it improved on the concept they were trying to build on. But you're right. It wouldn't have necessarily worked to have just thrown that out there. You, you, had, you had a starting point. You had a stepping stone that was able to make something better. I also love that A New Hope is really a self-contained movie. Yes. It leaves the fact that there's still going to be more adventures to have, but they resolve it there With, in, in, yes. in a sense. Like, Vader's still alive stuff. And so, suddenly, what's interesting is we move from A New Hope, where the rebels are in a great place, yeah. to Empire, where they're not in such a great right. place. And I, I, But that... All that has sort of happened in between the other two movies. Yeah. And there's not a feeling with Lucas that, oh, we've got to explain that. Right. Here's something that I don't think people think much about when we try to figure out why is Empire a better movie than the other movies. Which is this. In, in Empire, you look at all the other Star Wars movies, and, and maybe... Nope, I think this would be the only one. In Empire, the only thing that gets carried over in terms of repeated, like, action scene mm -hmm. is a lightsaber fight mm. uh because if you and you, when we start having issues with the other star wars movies part of what we start to say is well we've seen that before we've mm. seen that before empire now couldn't get a star wars movie without a death star mm. there's not a death star right. in the empire strikes back there isn't another there's no aerial battle mm. in empire strikes back i mean there are a few chases when the ships are flying out and right. they're chasing the Millennium Falcon. Right. Uh, so that, yeah, we've seen that before. But in what happens, right. I mean, we're dealing in a world with spaceships. But we don't have a giant aerial assault battle mm -hmm. with heroic fighters. The rebels, you know, right. the battle, the that heroic battle that happens on the ice planet is a completely different kind of fight yeah. than we've seen in the previous movie with the giant walkers. Right. I mean, it's a different kind of genre, too. You're back to that war movie right. sort of mentality. And... That's brand new. The Cloud City is not something we've seen before, yeah. particularly in a Star Wars movie. Even Yoda's relationship with Luke is very, very different than Obi-Wan's relationship with Luke. Yeah. And the emphasis of Empire about the spirituality, again, where it's very different because now it's deep about 
it's the blending of the spiritual and the, oh, there's a force with the right. discipline that comes with interacting with the force. Mm-hmm. And and the Jedi are represented as a religion as opposed to maybe just these guys that swing lightsabers. Yeah. So I guess my point is, part of what makes Empire work is it's just, com- it is very, very different mm. than New Hope. It shows you a different side of the world. And that's really the last time right. that you have that because every other movie is sitting there trying to think, I like Return of the Jedi. Oh, I actually yeah. like Return of the Jedi a lot, but Return of the Jedi is Lucas just retreading everything right. for the most part. The right. most original stuff in the movie is also the goofiest, which is the stuff with Jabba the Hutt. Right. Like, right. Which is, that's like pure serial, like Flash Gordon stuff there. Sure. He's on the like barge. And I mean, and there's unfortunately weird stuff in there, like Leia's right. whole slave girl costume, which my young mind had a hard time processing back in the day <laughs> but like all of that stuff the rancor bits probably like one of my favorites oh yeah not. like th- those little things and that's what i wonder too is where do those little there's a lot of little moments all through the star wars universe and some of them are just very very well done i always wonder who's responsible for those mm. because that might help us understand too well how much is lucas involved like i want to know whose idea it was to put the, the guy crying over the dead rancor like right Right. Goofiness-wise, that suggests Lucas. But that's kind of a brilliant scene. Like, you see this giant monster, which is this where there's the horror kind of monster movie thing, and then he kills it. And then, Q, there's a dude crying because he's, like, raised it. You don't... You don't have a discussion about how he raised it. It's right. Just, it's not a flashback where you see him, like, lovingly throwing at biscuits or something. Right. I mean, he's just... (laughs) Q the thing, yep, I guess everybody loves somebody. And then, boom, you're off to something else. Those little things are what I love about Star Wars, I think. Well, and I think too, you know, like I, you know, I've read on polls recently, you know, the two most hated characters in the Star Wars universe, you know, Jar Jar Binks and Ewoks, you know, which to me, I mean, I remember growing up, I loved, I loved the Ewoks. I mean, when I was, you know, when um, Return of the Jedi came out, they were introduced in there. You have Wicket um, portrayed by uh, who Warwick Davis plays Wicket in that movie. He was pretty young too when he did. Yeah, it was like twelve or something. And um, and then Lucas came out with these made-for-TV movies, the Ewoks, and then the Battle for Endor, and those were two of my favorite movies at two like years old. Movies. At two years yeah. old, you know, and I actually I have them well, on VHS. Well, for Brimley was still. in one of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I go back and it's like, oh man, these are horrible. But you know what? I remember from the time I was two years old, my my mom, you know, tells a story. They were my favorite movies. I would go in, put them in. We had a Betamax back then, putting them in the Betamax and just watching them over and over again. And, you know, but for a two-year-old, you know, it's like you've got, you've got the intrigue of like these, these little pygmy bears running around helping, you know, it's that whole thing of the underdog. You know, you have Luke in A New Hope coming in as the underdog, saving the galaxy. You have these little pygmy bears coming in and doing their part to help and assist in any way they can. And it's like, is it a little, you know, weird and ridiculous? Sure. I would contest it's not as weird and ridiculous as Jar Jar Binks was, but, you know, they were enjoyable parts to the movie for me. Yeah, I'm not actually that opposed to Ewoks. My biggest issue with the Ewoks... So I do think Return of the Jedi is a moment. Like, there's that classic story where no one knew that New Hope was going to be as big as it was, right? right? So it comes out, people see it, and then... Nobody, man, no one thought to manufacture enough toys because they're like, this is just another yeah. sci-fi movie. <laughs> so... People were ordering like Darth Vader toys for their kids, right. and they were getting a little 
basically right. a picture that said your toy's on its way right. because we got to manufacture more. Lucas had no idea of his of his movie being this big franchise. You can see that starting Lucas the shrewd like right. toy maker right. versus Lucas the artistic author right. who wants to introduce people to to uh, Asian cinema and to the obscure parts of European cinema like very much like this person who cares deeply about film to a person who cares deeply about film but also about selling yeah. toys. Yeah. When you get to Return of the Jedi, I think that's where finally you kicked in and you see someone who's making a movie very firmly with the financial interest. Right. Let's face it, this, here's the other thing I think really makes people mad about Star Wars. You'll see movies, you and I were talking before this about like uh, a couple other big movies that came out recently. You'll see movies where some of the things work and some of the things don't mm-hmm. and you really you see what the person was going for and you're like, well, they just didn't get there. They didn't right. do what they were trying to do. They were stymied in some way. Yeah. The Star Wars universe, because Lucas was so hands-on at the start of it, and because there's so much money and they can literally do whatever they want now, yeah. even when they choose to play it safe, I think the problem that bothers people is that nothing that happens in a Star Wars movie is ever a mistake. Yeah. Like, there's never this just sort of, like, mistake. Even the stuff you hate, you know someone did it on purpose. They right. absolutely were shrewd <laughs> in their decision to do it. Sure. And that, I think, is what kind of bothers people. That, like, yeah. you could have done anything, and you chose to do this, and you worked on this. You right. sat lovingly over this, and you made sure that that thing sounded like a stoned Jamaican guy. Yeah. Like, whatever <laughs> it was that you did, you did it with purpose, and it is exactly what you wanted it to be. Yeah. I think that's one of the things about Star Wars. It's very shrewd. It's very, um, even when it's organic, there's a lot of calculation that has to go into it, particularly with the old movies because of all the sets. I mean, sure. to me, as a kid, I enjoyed watching the making of Return of the Jedi as much as the actual movie because yeah. there's like nine guys inside of Jabba the Hutt, yes. you know. Uh, anyone putting that much work into something, nothing is happening by accident, at yeah. least when it ends up on the screen. And so that's when you see the toy maker. There is that fact that Star Wars is a fable. It's a sto- it's a, it's a fairy tale return of the jedi is more fairy tale than the others in a lot of ways in fact there's that whole scene which is actually my favorite scenes in the movie where uh it's cheeky but it's good where c-3po has to tell the ewoks yes the entire plot yes up until this point so now (laughs) about two and a half movies worth of material he has to relate to the bears and you watch him tell the story i love that moment. i mean People kind of talk about the moment in, I think, the movie Reign of Fire, where, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it with the dragons, yeah. where it's far into the future and, and humanity's culture has crumbled, so here's Christian Bale telling them the story of right. Star Wars. But people forget Star Wars actually did that in right. the third movie. And I think it's a great scene. It, that's probably a Lucas conceit, but him sitting there telling, you know, making all the sound effects and basically just doing a pantomime, like almost sure. shadow puppets kind of deal. Uh, I love that stuff. And I, to me, of course, the heart of Return of the Jedi, and this is probably where we can start heading into the other stuff, yeah. is the emotional arc story of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. The rede- right, and the where that goes in the redemption. Yeah. That stuff is so strong yeah. that it, to me, Ewoks are not the problem with Return of the Jedi. I, 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 my problem with the, the Ewoks is that they look shabby. Mm. Like I like I'm looking at it. Like you look at the effects on the rank or stuff like that. You can see the seams on the little bears. Yeah. I mean, maybe that nature made them that way. I don't know. It's almost like they made them to. This is exactly what you get if you right. go to the store and buy one of these things. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, they, yeah. I might have preferred it 
if Luke landed on Endor and they just found a whole bunch of little dolls laying around and he brought them to life with the Force. Here, here you go, guys. That would have been awesome. You know, he made his own automaton army of, of dolls. Maybe if Endor had turned out to be an abandoned toy factory. Right, so right. If anyone wants to make an alternate cut, I, that would have been great. That. that was the Force at maximum potential there. I'm done for the day. The alternate so, Return of the Jedi. But to me, scene. it's the fact that characters uh, like characters like Princess Leia, played right. by Carrie Fisher, right. and particularly Han Solo, they don't really have a lot to do. Yeah. In Return of the Jedi. And Lando really doesn't have much to do. Yeah. And so that to me, and then the fact that it's another attack on a Death Star. Mm. Like, it's exciting, but it's all just there to prop up Vader and Luke, which is right. really, really strong. So to me, and, and this is true even of Jar Jar, people focus in on Jar Jar, they focus in on the Ewoks. And I think they're doing that because there's a weakness there, but they're missing the real weakness, which right. is the storytelling. I think the storytelling, right. Lucas's ability to construct a story becomes less important to him than world building. Yeah. Building this world with all these characters in it. Yeah. So that brings us up to The Phantom Menace. So right. years go by. I like the Ewok movies like you. I watched the droids cartoon that <laughs> oh, was on yes, TV. Yes. And there was an Ewoks cartoon yes, too. There I was. watched all that stuff. Hanna-Barbera, I think, did yep. those. And, um, yeah. of course, there's a heart, the Star Wars holiday special, oh. which is... You can see that on YouTube. You can, yes. Um, it's something else. <laughs> I, you know what? Why not? Um, I don't view... It's one of those things where you just view it as an alternate reality. It's right. not... It is not part of the Star Wars. It's just a goofy thing. There's goofier stuff that was done in the 70s than that. That's true. Um, <laughs> B. Arthur as the cantina, like, the, the, the bartender, the cantina is kind of brilliant. But, um... Happy Life Day. Yes, Happy Life Day. I the, the, <laughs> There, I think there was a reference to like Chewbacca's uncle looking at adult magazines yes. or something. I mean, people who think that Lucas bottom dropped out with the prequels, they just don't They've understand. Never seen that, yeah. movie. <laughs> that was between. Let's let's remember that was that was months. I think after uh, A New Hope. Yeah. So we get to the Phantom Menace. You've got the pre, the the originals all come out special editions, yeah. which I had fun with because. Uh, Return of the Jedi was the first movie I've ever saw at the theater. Yes. But I've, of course, never saw the other two at the theater. Yeah. And so it was fun to go back and watch those yeah. movies. Yeah. Oh, agreed. The agreed. Even with the added stuff, which the added stuff really didn't start to bother me until he started trying to retcon it all to fit to with fit the, the prequels. prequels. Yes. The first set of changes, I really disliked the scene in Jedi where we see the Sarlacc pit now looks like a worm from Tremors. Yeah. I also disliked the music number, but a lot of the, like, the musical number of the. The character singing inside the Jabba's lair, like yes. the CGI yeah, yeah, girls, yeah. she actually sings now. I didn't need all that stuff. And I gotta say, I do miss the original victory song with the Ewoks. The, the, the jump, jump the song. Yub, yub, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that was gone. I'm like, what they replaced it with wasn't better. Right. No, it wasn't. It was. It looked like they were like... celebrating New Year's right. or something. I'm like, it's the fall of the Empire. It's not Mardi Gras. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we come back to Phantom Menace. And... We've talked for a bit now about these. I think we've gotten our basic feelings through. I'm not a huge fan of the prequels. I no. liked what he, I liked where he was going, but not how he got there. They mm. feel very stiff. Attack of the Clones is an embarrassing movie to yeah. watch. Hayden Christensen, not a great actor, no. but has no direction at all. He's right. given almost no direction about where to stand, what right. to say, or even where to look when yeah. he's saying it. When characters die in the prequel movies, their heads literally flop to the side. <laughs> like in an old 50s movie, I can only assume half of that's done on purpose. Like right. when when Anakin's mother dies, her right. head just like flops like a fish. I'm like, what was that? Right. Uh, Natalie Portman and, and even even Liam Neeson struggling to like yeah. end, add some gravitas to these scenes he has. Yeah. There are individually great scenes, like the Duel of the Fates battle yes. in The Phantom Menace. Still great music, like yep. you said. Lots of great production. Yep. Attack of the Clones... 
it's totally like Flash Gordon when they're in that gladiatory arena yeah. and monsters keep coming like one yeah. after another. That's a fight a wave of monsters and a wave of clones and then there's a, you know, it's a continual battle for the last 35 yeah. minutes. Sustained battle scene for the last 35 minutes of the movie. Um, and it's visually impressive, mm-hmm. but it has no emotional weight to right. me. Um, the other thing I'll say about the prequels, it's interesting because here's, we talk about, when we start looking at what Disney's now doing with the new Star Wars, I hand it to Lucas on this. Lucas didn't feel the need to make this another story about rebels fighting mm. a all-engulfing empire. Because yeah. he did have a story purpose. I think this is the big thing that critics of the new series can make, which is there were purposes to each set of story. Mm. The new one just seems like we're rehashing the rebels versus empire. Yeah. You know, like, we don't know what else to do. Right. Lucas's goal was to tell two things. The rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker. Yep. We can argue how well or not he right, did that. Right. And the rise and the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire. Yeah. In that, there's no room to have more Death Stars and things like that. And there were some space battles, but the structure of the movies lends itself to characters visiting worlds and doing things mm-hmm. here or there, and and storylines that don't seem that important mm-hmm. becoming important later. Yeah. Like Obi Wan visiting the clone Kamino, world, yeah. Kamino. That feels like a, just an aside, like, why are we doing this? Right. Or, you know, Anakin going back to Tatooine to look for his mother. Right. You know, these story, even the, even all the Senate sequences in the first Star Wars movie have a purpose. Yeah. You can argue whether they were, right. whether, whether story-wise it was, good, it was yeah. good, but he wasn't just another movie where every, the rhythm of the movie didn't lead everyone into an action scene, and then we'll see the Rebels are up by one, and the Empire right. is up by another. <laughs> like there wasn't that sense in the first three movies, and that opened those movies up to feel, for better or worse, very very different. Yeah, and I mean, I will say this: you know, the prequels. Um, th- there are a lot of haters out there. I'm one of them. You know, in um, in many respects, I I honestly feel like the first two. You know, you could probably take about twenty minutes between both of those movies. Maybe a little more, maybe, you know, 30 to 40 minutes between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And you could find some decent things in there. You know, again, the the scene with um, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, you know, that that was a fantastic scene. Ray Park playing Darth Maul, you know, fantastic villain that uh, was, you know, cut off, um, literally cut off, um, disappointingly so. You know, like you wanted to know more about that character and you get some of that in the Clone Wars series that comes out and then in the new Rebels series that came out um, that Disney has been doing. Uh, So you do get some more of that backstory and background. And um, I think, you know, fans finally get more into that character, which they've enjoyed. Um, But like 20 to 30 minutes, I will say. Revenge of the Sith, I could probably it's pull almost out. a movie. <laughs> it's almost a movie. It's a movie. It's it's one of those movies that I would say, you know what? It's if, a movie. It's a, if it's this was released on its own without the Star Wars tag on it, you know what? I could go and watch this if it did not have the Star Wars tag, and it would be, you know, it would be a you know a matinee movie where I paid five bucks, and I was like, you know what? Okay, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. You know, it was. And Solid B-minus movie. I think that's one of the issues that we come into when we get to these, go back very quickly, is Lucas having full creative vision is this is kind of what he wanted to do with the original movies. Like right. he, I, People sort of try to, to look at it and say, well, Lucas was trying to elevate the pulp movies of his childhood. I don't know if he's trying to elevate them. He might have honestly been just trying to remake them. Yeah. And Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones 
are sometimes just as wonky, just as poorly written, just as slapped together, a slap dash, maybe not right. slapped together, and and just as gee whiz goofy as old Flash Gordon serials. Yeah. Yeah, they they almost have no difference except that there's millions and millions of dollars poured into them. Right. I don't even necessarily mean that as a bad thing because the right. opening scene of Revenge of the Sith is a very exciting right. space battle. Right, uh, I think. Yeah, uh, the battle on the Wookiee planet yeah. is exciting in its own way. The last lightsaber battle is fantastic. Yeah, the scene when the Order sixty six or whatever right. it is is executed is an excellent right. scene of filmmaking. In between that, there's a lot of wonky junk, right. and some of it is storytelling structure. Yeah. I, I will put something at the beginning of this episode because we haven't done it already. But there's going to be full spoilers here, including Last Jedi. You know, yeah. uh, Anakin Skywalker killing children. Right. I'm not necessarily have a problem that that happens, but there's two things that are problematic to it. To buy his redemption at the end, to see everything mm-hmm. he's done. It doesn't make sense that his primary reason for sparing uh, Ian McDermott, you know, Palpatine's life is because he wants Padme to survive. Right. I just don't see him switching within 10 seconds from being a guy. Right. If, like, as if you kind of say, if the prequels had started over here somewhere, more like with Revenge of the Sith, and had allowed much more time to happen, I would buy into him maybe killing children after he's been a foot soldier for Palpatine for maybe a couple years yeah. or something. Yeah. And I don't buy him walking directly to the temple and right. physically killing them himself. Right. Uh, Especially even... since some of these children are probably children that he has been training and his wife is pregnant with children. Yeah. So that makes no sense to me. It's 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 emotionally manipulative. And it's some of the things that help ruin the movie, I yeah. think. And there's a lot of good in it, but yeah. So they're there. Then we... Then Star Wars goes dark for a while. Right. And we kept getting word, if you remember, like, I was actually surprised that we ever got around. I never thought we were going to get a, for better or worse, I never thought we were going to get a 7, 8, and 9 yeah. Star Wars yeah. movies. I didn't think that would ever happen. Yep. I thought it was much more likely we would get the Star Wars TV show that which, Lucas yes. even started talking about. Yes. Not like, we've yeah, we've got Clone Wars, we've got right. Rebels, which are all really good. And yeah. I think that's in between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace, what what happened or occurred, the fan and sci-fi community built the world of Star Wars right. through in all sorts of different and, directions. Yeah. And they were telling stories yeah. that intersected with what Lucas was doing. Right. And so for Lucas to just basically say, none of what you say right. matters, that's his own prerogative. And right. honestly, someone's creating art, you got your own vision, let's see it. But that bold statement right. means you've got to put something up that, that people right. are going to want to embrace. The bottom line with the prequels is this, and that's the same standard we have to hold these new movies to. If this was all you ever had, would Star Wars be a phenomenon? And right. I say no. Right. Like, if oh, you yeah. only ever had the prequels, right. people wouldn't care about Star right. Wars the way they care about it right. now. Oh, and I agree. And the thing is, like, if all you ever had was the prequels, let's say you start with those back in the 70s, Lucas, unrestrained, going full blast. Let's say you jump ahead into 4, 5, and 6. Those movies, I guarantee, are not as successful, even though I think they're better, they're, they're, they're movies that are better done. Um, they're not as successful uh, because of the stigma of one, two, and three. To me, I wasn't whole, like I was one of those people that felt like Lucas destroyed my childhood. Oh yeah, or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that. There, I mean, I was I felt they were missed opportunities. Right. I think the other thing, and I think this is, I think Lucas is someone who he kind of gets, um, he and most most very uh, intelligent and creative people are like this. Think they get very competitive. 
Sure. And one of the, the, the interesting things is when the prequels come out, Lucas now has competitors. His competitors are the people that grew up on his movies. Yes. Because his bits, like the Wachowski brothers doing The Matrix, right. uh, which comes out just a few months before Phantom Menace, yes. and actually becomes a movie that people start comparing. Like, right. The Matrix is the new Star Wars, right. not Phantom Menace. Right. And even that, so much that year that I think maybe wrongly so, the best visual effects award, which is usually where Star Wars always has it wrapped sure. up. I don't see how you give the best visual effects to The Matrix over Phantom Menace. Just right. if you're really oh, sure. talking about the work of visual right. artists, they they put in an immense amount of work into Phantom Menace. Sure, Matrix in no way. I mean, yeah, Bullet Time that's pretty cool, but right. like, right, it in no way are the visual effects better. They yeah. give it to The Matrix because they feel right. ideologically that The Matrix is a better movie. Right, and so none of that's fair. But Lucas's other like work at that point. Lord of the Rings becomes the big right. challenger to the throne where right. Peter Jackson also inspired by Lucas right. makes these new these new three movies and I think that's one of the reasons that people you kind of stop bemoaning Star Wars because you don't care as much because right. there's all this other stuff we right. start to see the the ascension of the comic book movies and things right. like that and so Lucas is in a world now where like people aren't just looking to him when 99 right. when Phantom Menace came out yeah the pickings were kind of slim right. to so the resurgence of science fiction. We were just starting to see the resurgence, so that was a big deal. Just a few years later, we're starting to get deluge that is right. now spilled over, and it's, everything's very different. And yeah. and um, Lucas started encountering that every summer. Two thousand two, he's going up against like Spider Man now right. and things like that, and and the Two Towers and yeah. Harry Potter and you know all of that stuff. And and so that. Eventually, he sells it to Disney, which mm-hmm. I was a little surprised about. And then we get, of course, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed Star, The Force Awakens mm-hmm. when I saw it. I did feel, and I know that was Abrams' goal. Mm-hmm. I did feel this was the Star Wars I grew up with oh, in yeah. the terms of the way it looked yeah. and the way it felt, and that made me feel better than I felt watching The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Being said, The Phantom Menace is a far braver. Maybe stupider, but a far right. braver movie right. than Force Awakens. Force Awakens mm-hmm. isn't brave at all. Right. It is it is copying lots of Lucas's shots. It's copying right. a lot of the style. That being said, I like the new characters. I liked Ray. Yeah. I liked Finn. That was the thing, and that's the thing that Lucas missed. I never felt connected to the characters. Yes. You at the end of the day, particularly with movies that have this great fandom, it's because people connected with the characters. Yeah. There's no yeah, you've got people who like really weird out there, artsy movies I do too, that are all about the visuals. Mm-hmm. But those movies have a very different sort of following. Right. People that are going to dress up as a character and go to right. a convention and put that investment of time in and write right. stories about these people, it's because they care about right. them. Right. And that's what that was why the ship sailed off and Lucas was still standing on the dock. For yeah. The prequel, yeah. Because the giant, expensive, beautiful ship had nobody on it that you cared about. Right. Uh, I also made a movie called Titanic. In 98, that was the same deal. Right. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and actually, Cameron and Lucas aren't that different, right. I think, in a lot of ways. When you get to this movie, The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams is a skilled filmmaker, yeah. but he's also a skilled filmmaker that is basically really, his main goal is to kind of be a chameleon. And a chameleon's mm. not even the right word. And more like he is a... Uh, Re, he's into reproductions. You know, he's right. a really good counterfeiter, yeah. if you will. Yeah. He's all about making something look like something else you remember. Right. 
the things I loved about Star Wars, the wild new planets, mm-hmm. the interesting um, environments, the mm-hmm. crazy looking creatures, they were very much at a minimum. Mm-hmm. There, I saw nothing new in The Force Awakens that I felt surprised me or elated me. Right. There was no great scene. Where everything I enjoyed was all on the... The level of childhood memory, uh, nostalgia. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It was, or the characters. It was yeah. more like, okay, I'm into these characters, but I'm not seeing new. To me, right. when a new Star Wars came out, even the prequels, right? Like when you were like, what new? Particularly Phantom Menace. Everyone was waiting to see that trailer. Right. They weren't waiting to see that trailer to see the characters they loved because they right. knew they weren't going to be in it, except right. for a handful. They wanted to see this world again. Right. And. That was very at a minimum, I felt like, in The Force Awakens. Yeah. I mean, I loved the Star Wars battles with Rey, but I was I was invested in Rey and invested in mm-hmm. Finn. I loved Han Solo, yeah. although I did have to wonder, why is he, you know, he's only, it doesn't make sense that he's a kind of scoundrel again, right. except the fact that J.J. Abrams thinks you're most comfortable with Her- with. Han Solo as a scoundrel. Right. And that's why he still has... That's the biggest thing I don't understand. I mean, maybe... I feel like Ryan Johnson's trying to like flip the script now with um, The Last Jedi. But the big question is, why is the world of Star Wars so cyclical? Why are right. we coming back to right. the son... You know, you, you've now got Han Solo's son and right. Kylo Ren is kind of going dark. And it's, again, a family thing that all right. the, the, the fortunes of the universe are still all down to the Skywalker family. Right. Uh, maybe you should just send them off to another galaxy somewhere. Um, <laughs> another and, galaxy far, far away. And we're back to the Starkiller base. And these are all things that have been sad. Yeah. But to me, dramatically, it still works as a movie. And that's yeah. why it's successful. That's why the prequels weren't. But the lesson shouldn't be, oh, yeah, let's make it as safe as possible. Because right. Star Wars The Force Awakens is a pretty safe movie. Right. I go back to Ray and Finn and Poe and, like, I care about these characters. I want to know where they're going. I want to yeah. know where they've been. And so, to me, it was almost a smart move to bring in Abrams, who proved himself with Star Trek, who's proved himself to to do really well with science fiction concepts. I mean, he was the one who did the production on um, Fringe when that when that show was around. I don't know if you remember that show. I love Fringe. Fringe is a is a better production story wise, storytelling, and everything. Fringe is better than Star Wars Star. I mean, mm. than the J.J. Abrams sure. Star Wars Star Trek Super Eight. Anything that he's done movie wise, Fringe is great. Yeah, Fringe is top notch. And, and and Abrams is good at bringing out and drawing out a continuous story. I mean, you have you have Lost, you have Alias, you have Fringe. I mean, he's just good at bringing out these. He's dependable. So, with Rogue One, what did you think? I thought it was okay. You know, I I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it as. You know this. This we're getting this new series of movies coming out that that are basically Star Wars tales. Yeah. You know, Rogue One, a Star Wars tale. We're getting Han Solo, a Star Wars tale. There's supposed to be, you know, a, a Boba Fett, a Yo- like all these things are going to be in the works at some point. But they're these side stories that fit within the universe of Star of Star Wars. And I I enjoyed this movie um, for what it was. Like it was a telling of. What's a war film get, in the yeah. Star Wars universe? Kind of a, a, a war film mixed with a little bit of like a Dirty Dozen. Yeah, kind of exactly. A thing. Like a, a mission, men, women yeah. on a mission movie. Yeah, uh, robots on a mission movie. Uh, and I liked it. I yeah. did. Uh, 
I didn't go into it expecting the same feel of mm-hmm. the Star Wars movies, and it wasn't that. Right. It was enjoyable, but I do think in some ways it was almost a little too mundane. And I guess that's mm-hmm. where I'm sitting there thinking, the Star Wars brand was always more about that exciting, mm-hmm. look at that poster, I can't wait to see those things in this universe. And the Rogue One just feels so uh, grounded and mm-hmm. mundane. Like, they're trying to be so respectable and so give these people the gritty kind of Star Wars that right. they want. And I think there's a lot of missed opportunities. A good example is my favorite character or characters in the movie there were two one was the robot that's played by um uh alan tudyk yep voiced by, voice by alan tudyk yep. voiced by alan tudyk and it's uh that it's previously a like um empire yep. robot or droid that has now been reprogrammed and that's a fun kind of interesting mm-hmm. character and it kind of mirrors some of like alan tudyk's voice work he did when he did i robot yeah um and the other characters are the Guardians of the Wills. That's interesting because they are taking stuff that was developed in Star Wars books at that point. Right. Kind of thrown out there. Which is Donnie Yen, yep. who's a very popular, has been popular for years, yeah. martial artist um, in Asian cinema. Yep. And most people learned about him here in the Ip Man movies, yeah. which are, are great. Mm-hmm. Um, Yen's very talented as a martial arts mm-hmm. Uh, action star, but also I think he has a little more. I think he's got some acting chops. He's got a little more acting him, yeah. chops than Jet Li, yeah. or and it's no offense to Lee or Chan. Sure, but like I think he's able to jump into the the yeah. dramatic bits of. And he, uh, he did a great movie called Dragon, which if you're out there, uh, you can find is great. But what was strange to me was you hire Donnie and you put him in a movie and you give him very very minor martial arts work to do. You right. introduce this sort of Asian inspired Jedi, which is going back to what Lucas was trying right. to kind of hint at in the beginning. And his big major Zen moment is walking across a courtyard right. to turn a switch on a right. uh, you know on a power generator and. Uh, there's not the old Star Wars would have a moment where this guy just right. lets loose and, right. and and just you get this big genre bending moment. So to me, I liked it. It was a good movie, mm-hmm. but it was just sort of like at the end of the day, I didn't feel a lot of need to revisit it. The mm-hmm. battle, that final battle, is kind of fantastic. Like yes, the, uh, there's a texture and a reality to it. But again, nothing new. Yeah, nothing new. But two Star Wars movies into this new chapter that disney's trying to do and it's kind of business as usual you're looking yeah. at them you're like yeah these are fine movies they go into kind of what you said if you tap if you took the star wars label off of them and right. change some of the elements i'd be like these are fine right. matinee adventure movies but they don't they're just not they don't have the spark right i feel right there isn't there isn't that moment where you sat down and you watched the star wars movies for the first time and now that's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there just there, there wasn't that moment. And it, I mean, I wouldn't say it's never going to happen. I think the problem is you need someone who's willing to explore the universe outside of what we know. Yes. You need somebody who's willing to go beyond that. What, are we, what about those planets out there that are completely alien and strange? Right. And that's what I wanted to see at the prequels. And, and Lucas did more of that. Then, because now we're to, we got a couple kinds of planet. You got a green, earthy planet. Right. You got an ice planet. You got a craggy looking desert planet. Right. I mean, those are your typical go tos in sci fi movies back in the day because guess what? It was really cheap to right. shoot in like Yugoslavia or right. whatever. I mean, right. uh, you we can go to Norway and shoot for two months. Yeah, our, our actors might freeze gonna, to death, but right. hey, we're going to get that shot. Lucas goes to Tunisia and starts, yeah. shoots the first movie. Yeah. Know, we're at Tatooine. And now, where all the world's in a computer, why are we still just right. looking at the same old things, the same right. old planets? Um, 
the movie came out this summer, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets or yep. whatever. If you saw it, like people were talking about the story wasn't that great and the characters. No, they weren't, but there were great visuals and great sights to see, mm-hmm. and that's the way I used to feel about Star Wars. So, but the other problem is without the great sights, Rogue One and Star Wars: Force Awakens, while telling dependable stories, aren't blowing my mind. Sure, storytelling either. Sure, uh, and let's face it, one of the big uh, albatrosses around the neck of Force Awakens is. Luke Skywalker is the MacGuffin for the entire movie. Yes. You're just sitting there. Yeah. Now we've put that behind us. But Force Awakens is on the burden of where the heck is Luke. Right. And you almost can't enjoy the movie. That's so weird to me. You don't get to enjoy the movie in the moment because you're sitting there wondering where the heck is Luke. And you're right. realizing the minutes are ticking down. Right. <laughs> and yeah, this is longer than the other Star Wars movies, but he's still not here. Right. And then you sickeningly realize... <laughs> it's just gonna be we're gonna see him and that's gonna be it the yeah. end so yeah so that kind of ends uh, that's basically one podcast <laughs> right, right there <laughs> uh, just to say we're gonna head into Last Jedi now talk about it um, and there's just gonna be spoilers I yeah. say there might be the first five ten minutes of this discussion we'll just leave it to our general feelings with yeah. no spoilers I think that's uh, fair it's been it's strangely to me a divisive movie. Oh, I'm not, yeah. I think I know why, but I'm not quite understanding. I I, I want to talk to more people, particularly yeah. the people who have a different view than me. Yeah. Um, about the 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 kind of dichotomy of the feelings here. Yeah. Particularly because I don't feel that that was the case with the last film. No. The last two. No, films. I agree. So Nathan, Last yeah. Jedi. You just saw it Friday. Yep. I saw it. Um, Saturday morning. Yep. I normally get to go to the screens here, so this is a case where I really had to kind of go, um, you know, uh, under the radar as far as reviews and everything. Yeah. I had to be radio silence to to get to Sunday to Saturday without learning any secrets of this movie. Yeah. Um, your thoughts, general thoughts, no spoilers. Yeah, general. I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought it delivered what you were talking about—a dependable Star Wars movie. It de- it delivered that movie that you get, in my opinion, from episodes four, five, and six. Um, there are some things that I wasn't quite sold on, um, and you and I talked a little bit off air, and we'll talk again in a few minutes about it. But but overall, I will say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the visuals in this movie. I enjoyed the storytelling. I thought the characters were developed and, and moved ahead in their stories. Um, I will say that that while there were a lot of things that, you know, based on trailers that I watched, there were a lot of things that I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, I'm guessing through that. There were still some surprises. There were some things in there that I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe you just did that. Um, in a good way, I would say, because it wasn't the traditional, like, we're just going to follow the script and move I it. will say this. I'll, I'll let you keep before I say anything, yeah. yeah, I was surprised. And yeah. I wasn't surprised in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Even when they built to a scene like everything happening with Han Solo, right. that, that felt inevitable. Right. At that moment, I'm like, right. don't do it, don't do right. it, but I know you're going to do it. Right. There were things that literally caught me off guard that the, that there's a moment before it happened, didn't right. see it coming, and boom, it happened. Yeah, and I'm like, right. nope, didn't, yeah. didn't see that. Yeah, didn't see that coming. And I felt like... I felt like this movie delivered in a lot of ways. I felt like it brought in some new characters that um, never heard of before, never even thought of in terms of being in the Star Wars universe. And I was I was pleasantly surprised um, by those characters and what they delivered in the movie. Um, and so I didn't I didn't feel like 
that, that what you were talking about with um, like Rogue One and things like that, I didn't feel like there were there were as many wasted moments in this. I felt like there were all the moments that were in there. I was enjoying right up until the end of the movie. There wasn't anything that I looked at and I said, oh, well, yeah, you, you should have done more with this. And I think I think part of what's divisive with this and when people see it, they'll understand is people would prefer different things to have happened with the movie. Yeah. But to me, when I see the movie, I, I loved everything I saw in it. And again, that's not to say I loved everything about the movie. There were certain parts of the movie that I didn't think were wasted, but I felt like I would have done something different there. And so to me, that's not a wasted moment. That's just, it's a difference of style. It's a difference of opinion of how it worked. And I would actually say, I can say that about every single Star Wars movie. Right. I can look at Empire and say, right. I would have done that differently. Yes. Um, and not a wasted moment, but man, what if you had done this? And, yeah. and I, New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a fair, fair statement yeah. on it. Your thoughts, Nathan? So I... I walked into this optimistic but uncertain about what we were really going to get because mm-hmm. I hadn't read anything. I wasn't. I didn't even know the like. I had a couple of. I didn't go to. The, there was a screening down in DC, and I just didn't go down. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing from a couple of people that were saying like, "Oh, it's going to kind of like blow you away." That's what I was hearing. I mm-hmm. didn't even know about the negative backlash until that there seems to have developed right. around the film. It really seemed enough, to be in the opening weekend. Well, because I think you're seeing the difference between look at this Rotten Tomatoes score. Right, very few movies, right. very few movies have a critical score. So the Transformers movies might be an example <laughs> where there's a very big difference. These are not like that, but they have this difference between the critical score yeah. and the audience score. Yeah, and it, it kind of does underscore that difference sometimes between a critic and the masses i don't think that 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 disparity is because critics really are high-minded but i think they're trying to look at something critically and artistically and consider where does this piece of art is it art and if it is how successful is it as art and i think that's the kind of discussion i want to have about this but going into that i was hearing from people say hey it's it's kind of surprising you're going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. and i'm like well i I figure i will i've been i honestly every star wars movie I've enjoyed at least through the first viewing. Even sure. the prequels. I was sure. younger then, but I mean, I got through Phantom Menace and Attack of Clones realizing and rolling my eyes through Attack of Clones even the first time through. But I got through them right. and was still like, I had a good time. Yeah. Like, I can say that I haven't, I haven't sat through a Star Wars movie, maybe that first Clone Wars cartoon movie that they released. Right. I remember watching that and being like, what is this? <laughs> it turned out that the, the cartoon series that followed it was right. much stronger. But right. that first thing was like, this is really cheap. <laughs> but the actual movies, I've enjoyed probably all of them. So go yeah. into this one. I took the kids and uh, was curious too because we have lapsed in, not lapsed, but we have jumped into PG-13 Star Wars movies. Yes. You know, it used to be, that was a huge deal when we went to PG-13 yeah. for uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I will say that I didn't feel like this movie was all that strong violence wise and oh, everything yeah. there was some violence in there but sure. honestly we see cut off arms right in the first three movies sure um so i didn't feel that that that, that thematically or narratively or mm-hmm. anything else that this was really all that strong of a pg-13 no, like I to me yeah. it felt very much uh, like they were trying to push the envelope a little bit in revenge of the sith mm-hmm. um maybe i can see force awakens but the, it just didn't 
I'm sitting there thinking we. I think it's just a difference of the times. Yeah. You know that we're more sensitive a little bit, right? Um, than we were because I, I, someone looking at this, someone preventing a child from seeing this movie versus four, five, and six. Yeah. I don't know that. There's I don't a know that there's a that. difference. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and so, so here's the thing. So I sit down. I got my kids in the theater. The longest Star Wars movie by far. Oh yeah. And they did start to feel it. My, my son, who's five, did say. Wait, there are more scenes? <laughs> but now this is, and it's not actually a um, commentary on how much he enjoyed it because he really right. liked it. But we had also spent the last couple weeks watching all the old, other ones. Yeah. And so this is leading up to my actual point about how I feel about it. The thing about The Last Jedi is the way scenes occur and where they are placed, they kind of do roll your expectations. Yeah. My kids are like, well, we're going to do a lightsaber battle. And that lightsaber battle is going to close the movie because it's the last thing you're going to see. Right. This big climactic lightsaber battle, and that's not the end of the movie. There's 30 more minutes. Right. Well, this big battle uh, that's about to happen here, you know, this standoff, that's going to be the, right. the the last thing. And nope, it's not. And right. so I think it's you've got a movie that's kind of constantly throwing your expectations. Right. Here are the things, I'll do the general, then we can get into spoilers, that I absolutely loved about the movie mm-hmm. and i guess i can put about front if people are actually that concerned about what my opinion is i think this is one of the best star wars movies mm-hmm. i would say it is absolutely in the top three mm-hmm. um without even with blinking yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, without blinking it's in the top three it may it is probably in the top two mm-hmm. one of the only issues i truly have with this movie is that it is inside the box not not in what it does but it has to follow the trajectory of The Force Awakens. Right. The minute Abrams decided, because to me, I was like, I want to see a world where the Republic is still standing and grand, but maybe there's corruption inside the Republic. Right. Let's see a, a, a mystery movie or something right. about dark seas that are popping up in the Republic. And right. maybe that gets back to like the prequels a little bit. Let's see, the, let's see things working. Let's see democracy right. <laughs> succeeding. Let's not go back to empire. So... This movie is made... I have to put that aside and say Force Awakens made that decision. Right. This is another Skywalker family saga. Right. And I've got to deal with those things. And i got to deal with the fact that mysteries are on the table that have to be answered. Who's raised parentage? Right. Uh, where's Kylo Ren ultimately going to fall right. in, in terms of his allegiance? Uh, right. What's is there redemption happen? for him? Yeah. yeah. What's, why is Luke stranded on a little right. rock somewhere yeah. and why has he stayed there yeah things like that and will they find something for leia to do you know all these right. sorts of questions in the movie uh, how annoying are porgs going to be right so <laughs> you have to you go into the movie with that but i feel like in that structure the, the ryan johnson and the team made as good a movie as they probably possibly could have mm. i feel like dramatically it's as strong and, and in yeah. fact where i do see a new hope and empire strikes back and even return of the jedi as being works of art yeah i think this movie is a work of art like yeah. i would engage this movie as a work of art not a big franchise money-making movie yeah what's astonishing to me is that there are people out there who i know who appreciate works of art and view things that way who would consider themselves like on tours and are just telling telling me that this movie's as bad as the prequels. And mm. I don't see that as anything other than what you're saying, which is it's an emotional reaction. Right. So going down the list, what they did with Luke, I enjoyed. Yeah. It's not what I, I imagined for yeah. Luke. But as we delve into this, I think we'll be able to make the case that this fits with who he is yes. as his character. This is not a deviation of his character. No, I it agree. It just went a different direction, right. like a lot of us do, than right. we would expect to be. 
and if you look at that spiritual journey where Lucas is talking about this person who's, who's confronted with the concept of faith and the concept of there being something out there and just amazed and right. and drawn in by the mystery of it, this is someone who's been broken by the pragmatic human side, right. the religion, if right. you will, of the thing. Yes. And human attempts to contain it and turn it in and twist it and distort it. And that even happening inside of himself. Yes. Like, yeah, that's not spoilers. That's just right. yeah. That's we're we're doing right. the broken Luke at the beginning. Right. I think it's clear he's on that planet for right. a reason. But the feel of the movie is classic Star Wars. Yes, this is a light movie. A lot of it. Oh that's yeah. the thing. It's dark and light at the same right. time. No, again, not right. no, no pun intended, intended about the balancing right. of the force. But right. it's about the force is balanced in this one. Yeah, like Empire, light in some ways. The first five minutes of this movie feel like space balls yeah like there's a joke in there that is so broad that i was just like they didn't just do that i like looked at jim like people are gonna be mad like, like they didn't just do this and then they turn around five minutes later did it again right but somewhere between that five minutes and the next big joke i'm sitting there watching this movie it starts with a fun exciting space battle like yep. revenge of the sith yep. and then suddenly someone i've never seen before is about to do a thing that i absolutely know they're going to do and then uh, in that two-minute space, I care about what they're about to do. Yeah. And it's a dramatic moment. And yes. I'm like, I'm about to like wipe tears in my eyes for somebody I didn't even know and yes. never met. Yes. And that kind of, I'm like, Star Wars hasn't done that in right. a long time. Right. And again, a lot of different emotions. And every time you switch, I've people say it does drag a little middle. Yeah, it kind of does a sure. little bit. The people say it's a little long. It is a little long. There's some, been some statements about that there are some storylines that aren't important. I disagree about that. And yeah. that some storylines should be cut. Finn's storyline goes in a direction that's a little bit off the curve of mm -hmm. what else is happening dramatically in this story. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we are fighting. You know, we've got the First Order and the Rebels fighting. Right. I, Poe Dameron is much more central to the story this time. Yes. Which I like. I'm glad which, he just doesn't yeah. disappear. Yeah, I agree. I agree. His storyline does have a purpose in telling the basic theme of where they're yeah. going with this. I like what happens. One of the things I like about this movie is this isn't a straightforward, this happens so we can accomplish this, so we can accomplish this. Right. That's there. Right. But sometimes plans are stymied. Yes. Sometimes people don't achieve the thing they're trying to yes. do. Or what they achieve is not what they thought they were trying to right. do. It feels more organic. It right. feels a little bit more like real life sometimes. Right. For people that are like, why did I waste my time watching that? Do, do you like the characters? Are you having fun? Right. Are you are you kind of learning something about who they are? Are they growing? Then who cares whether we blew the thingy up that right. we're supposed to blow up? We've gotten so much into thinking that the third act is blowing up the thingy right. that I feel like <laughs> we're stuck a little bit. Yeah. So the dichotomy of the humor was great. Here's the big thing for me. The shot construction, the mm. way things looked, the way Ryan Johnson took the kind of feel, the more grounded feel of Rogue One and mixed yes. it with the big, pulpy, matte painting kind of feel of the original Star Wars, that really meshed for me way better than The Force Awakens. Yes. Not copying every single Lucas wipe, this movie felt more spiritually like Lucas, mm -hmm. particularly some of the wrists. Like, right. when the movie was just like, I don't care what you think about this, I'm doing it. Like, right. that's the George Lucas coming through. And right. Finn's storyline, I will say this, Finn's storyline felt more prequel-ish than the other stuff. But mm -hmm. I don't mean that is a slag. Right. What the prequels were trying to do where they were trying to kind of show you, hey, this is how this world is working on a regular, normal basis when right. the Empire and the Rebels aren't fighting. Like, right. When Finn goes to these worlds where you see like an alien casino. Right. It's like right. Lucas 
back then was trying, you know, Lucas show you an alien diner. Did I need to yeah. see the alien fry cook digging his butt? Probably not. Right. Uh, and they don't do that here. Yeah. This, to me, Finn's storyline where you're seeing, hey, this is the way the rest of the world is living while yeah. this is going on. This is what the trickle down is. Yeah. In a day-to-day thing, the haves and the have-nots, this is what their world normally looks like. One of my favorite scenes of prequels is the scene inside of the opera house when Palpatine yeah. is talking to... That's an excellent scene. I liked everything with Finn and the new character, Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the problem is that stuff isn't going to pay off uh, dramatically and emotionally in this film. Yeah. So I'm probably starting to say a little too much. There's a lot of... There were a lot of surprises. There were a lot of cameos. Kylo Ren was a character I almost... Uh, I almost disliked, and not in a dramatic, like, you're a bad guy and I don't right. like you, in a character like this emo Darth Vader right, wannabe. Right. He's a fanboy, and I get that's what they're trying to say, but right. like, he's not threatening, he's right. not interesting, he's kind of irritating me a little right. bit. And I know Adam Driver's a phenomenal actor, so it's kind of bothering me right. that you're doing so little with him. This movie ends, and he's literally one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I mean, on, yeah. like, I, I'm not even trying to say it to be divisive. Right. I'm, I'm like, if you are asking me, who do you... Whose storyline are you most interested in? Right. It's that guy. Right. Like, what's going to happen with him? Right. I, I probably have to save a lot for spoilers, but this, to me, I feel like there is a little bit of them looking at this and saying, this is what you should have done with Anakin Skywalker, mm, Lucas. Yes, like, I agree. You, yeah. the, the, the battle and the combat going on inside a person that led to Anakin being what he was, when we heard Obi-Wan say... That you know, uh, uh, the Darth Vader betrayed your father, right. and murdered him, and then we later learned that they're the same person. Right. The vision of what we thought that looked like, the right. war that turned Anakin Skywalker, hero of the Republic, right. into Darth Vader, like yeah, yeah the, um, the, the black uh, fist, of right? The exactly, uh, attack dog for the Empire. Right. This is what I imagined in my mind, yeah. not. Gee whiz, wizard right. or whatever, or right. Padme, Obi-Wan's right. holding me back. You know, it was something more nuanced, yes. more interesting, like this. I always wanted a movie, a Star Wars movie about the Force. I know it sounds like silly because, like, aren't they all about the Force? Well, no, they're not. Right. Empire was about the Force. Yes. And this movie is about the Force, and that's yes. pretty. And segments of Return of the Jedi. Right. That's really it. In terms of being about the Force, what it is, how it right. actually how operates. It works. Right. We skirted all around it in the prequels. Yeah. We sort of, we tried to reboot it to being something of awe and wonder and amazement in The Force Awakens, but then Rey suddenly has all these abilities. Right. Uh, and you're like, well, now it just seems, it seems almost kind of cheap. So I feel like they restored that element of here's yes. a story about the Force and here's a story about choices and a story where we can really think about what does it mean when we hold things up and we don't allow them to uh, touch the light of reality? Yeah. Like when we allow our heroes to be infallible and right. we don't believe anything anybody ever says about the people that we support because we couldn't possibly do that. Right. And I think that that's kind of what this movie. Yeah, and is I would about. agree with that. I mean, one of the things that Joy and I talked about, and and we're gonna you know we're gonna get into the spoilers, and I'll be more specific. But one of the things that Joy talked, Joy and I talked about, is I liked what they did with the characters because it was believable. With Anakin, it was not for me believable when he turned to the dark side. No, agreed. With, agreed. With these characters, the decisions that they make are believable to their character. It's not a one-dimensional character where they're all good or they're all bad. Yeah. It is. Wait a minute. You can see the conflict that goes on in each character. You can see Luke has the, how he, how he's become. You you've described that like he is. 
he's a person who is in crisis of faith, so to speak. You know, you can see how he got to that position. You can see Ray during her training, you know, like just being entered into this world, how she sees the pull of the dark side and the light side. And you can see where she's going, you know, and Kylo, you can see all of these characters. It's a movie about characters and their choices. It's not a movie about trying to blow up a Death Star. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so last thing I'll say, and what I... What I'd like to do, and something I'm trying to interject in, give people a basic idea. We'll give like a rating. So right. We'll do like five from five star sure. rating. So, uh, last thing I'll say, other big thing I noticed was the score. John Williams' score. Mm. I didn't really have much feeling either way about the Force Awakens score. I don't mm. know. Like, I mean, I listened to it. And I'm like, that's not bad. But it, there wasn't something that I... I mean, mm. I'm not saying there was necessarily a theme in Last Jedi that I walked out humming. But mm. I was much more aware of the score mm. and of its emotional identity. Like, yeah. when I thought... When I felt... When the movie was over, right. I felt like I was thinking about the score as a separate entity. Yeah. Instead of just as, like, background for right. the movie. Which I think is when you have a good store, score right. and it distinguishes itself. Williams also felt like he was doing a few different things yes. that aren't necessarily like John Williamsy, right? Which I appreciated. Right. So to me, I like I had no interest, and I never did buy the score for the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I probably will buy, right? Uh, I'll probably Jedi. wait. Yeah. They release a vinyl and buy the vinyl of Star Wars: The Last yeah. Jedi. Yeah. So from one to five stars, your rating. Yeah, I, honestly, I mean, I would say a solid four point five. Yeah, and I think the reason why I'm holding back is has nothing to do with anything other than what I said earlier. There, there are other decisions that I would make when, when you know, placing certain characters in certain positions or certain dialogue, things like that. But it's not that it's bad; it's just my preference. But I would say solid four point five out of yeah. five. Yeah, and 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 to me, I think that's great because to me, five stars is like mm-hmm. that's mind blowing. Right. like that's a masterpiece. Right, You've done everything you can. Um, I'm, I'm like walked out of the movie at a solid, which is pretty high for me in terms of the rest of the of the movies. Mm-hmm. The first two are five stars to me, mm-hmm. and then Jedi is like a three and a half, and and Star Wars: Force Awakens is a three and a half. I'm solidly at a four, but honestly, I think you know, even just in discussing it, four point five. Mm-hmm. This is a cut above. Yeah. I, I, I will even say this, and this isn't. I don't think spoiler really spoilery. I. Even though I want to know about some of the other things these characters are going to do, mm-hmm. I would be okay if this was the last Star Wars movie right. in this Jedi saga. I yeah. don't actually think they have that much more story. To, there are always stories to tell. Sure. There's always going to be the fight's going to go on. Right. And, hey, we thought the, the Empire was destroyed last time. Right. It wasn't. But <laughs> if it ended here, I really wouldn't feel like I was cheated out of anything. Yeah. I, there aren't a lot of story threads that I feel are left dangling in a way. Right. Right. There's just the question of who are these people going to continue to go on and be. Right. And so if this was the last Star Wars movie we ever had, and in almost some ways I wish it was because I right. don't think Abrams is going to like right. cash in on what happened here. So yeah, I'd say 4.5. Yeah. It's very high, but it's going to be in my top when we do the countdown for the top uh, sci-fi fantasy movies. It's going to be up there, I think. Yeah. I mean, this has been an astonishing year, I think, for, for, for sequels to things that never yes. should like... A new Blade Runner movie, yep. and yet I loved it. I thought it was as good as the old ones. The, the, this Last Jedi, the Twin Peaks, you know, series. Things that you're bring, you're finally starting to see some people actually cash in on the idea right. of we can make this sequel, right, and make it. Make we it can good. make the nostalgia, but we can also bring the nostalgia and marry it with a new, a new character development, new story. New, yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's it. Um, as far as non-spoilers, we're going to get to spoilers now. 
so at this point, if you haven't seen the movie, think you've been good to go. But from here on out, we're going to get pretty deep into it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, and you know, I can mark this off because one of the things that we'll say and we'll talk about, I read a quote by Mark Hamill to the director of, you know, The Last Jedi. And this kind of talks about, this kind of sums up what we've been talking about, where Mark Hamill said, I don't agree with where you're taking the character of Luke. I don't like it. That being said, it is now my job to realize your vision of this character. And I think he totally did that. Like, I, like, I think that uh, his... His lack of commitment wasn't... It wasn't a lack of commitment. No, I mean, I, I think he totally committed to it. Yes. And I think it's the only reason... Not the only reason, but I think this is why it works. I agree. Uh, Hamill does commit to it. Yes. And he does make it a vision. I see where he's coming from, and I think that that's somewhat we'll be talking about. Right. But... So this is where we get into the spoilers, Nathan. Um, let's let's start off with talking about your favorite moment. Like, you know, just just the moment... Or let's, let's kind of say maybe favorite, maybe, but the most surprising moment. Yeah, so favorite versus surprising, it's, there's probably definitely a difference there. Although mm. I will say, off the bat, at the end of this, I, we are going to talk a little bit, like we said, about like fan responses. Yeah. And sort of like, as a fan, how should you be approaching these things? And, you know, when we look at something that's created in, in the art standpoint, are we should we really be going in with a checklist if I want to see this and this? Sure. But... Just the reactions I've seen, and I think you kind of hinted at it in the beginning, a lot of what people are saying about this movie are the things they didn't like. And a couple friends I've talked to have told me the things they didn't like. And they said, I wish they changed this, this, and this. I'm sitting there thinking, if you changed all those things, you just literally changed all the things that made me really like this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I think part of it is, what I liked is how, I don't want to say that the movie was necessarily subversive, because it's still... In a lot of ways, it's still Disney Star Wars safe. Right. I mean, I think I think there's still a level of safety net right. to this. They're not doing so many crazy things. Right. They, they, they push where they can, but I still don't think... Um, that being said, it's not like the other movies really did anything right. that, you know, overwhelmingly crazy. But there's this understanding of where we can go and what we can do. So that being said... So most surprising moments to me, there there was a handful of them. Some of them were just little throwaway humor moments. Yeah. But in yeah. terms of truly surprising, I think, to me, uh, was making decisions where they basically kind of were just throwing away the script. No, I don't mm-hmm. mean throwing away the script in terms of, they're throwing away the plot, the A, right, B, C, right. not the script, but the plot. Right. So, or flipping the script, I guess, would be the, the term. Yeah. But... For me, big scene is most of what happens with Ray and Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and Snoke in the throne rooms. Yes. And it's not that you don't see some of this coming, but it's the way everything plays out yeah. that to me is sort of surprising. Yeah. Um, one moment that I'll pick, it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's one I can probably talk about without us like going down other r- rabbit holes. Because I think the other surprises are really related to the story yeah. and what's happening Yeah. Here. A big surprise to me, probably one of the biggest just to me personally, maybe it shouldn't have been, was I fully expected, given the role that Leia played in the first film, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's well known that Carrie Fisher passed away early this year, and so therefore her role... Technically early last year, right? It was before Rogue One came out, wasn't it? No, I think it was after. I think it it was shortly after. I want to say, I think it was the... Or it was the tail end, because I think she was still... I want to say she was still alive when Rogue, but it was, um, 
uh, it was pretty close. Yeah. To it was tw- um, it was still 2016 though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was because there was a whole 2016 right. is a horrible death year right. or whatever. Although 2017 got some some jabs yeah, some in too. Ju- yeah, some doozies. Um, but yes, so point being, she passed away not long after. Uh, either right around okay, so yes, it was after it's December twenty seventh. Okay, so it was literally you're right. It was right in in the twenty sixteen, but it was at the tail end. Tail end. So because thing. I remember seeing um, Rogue One and, right. and, and Leia there, but it I it didn't have that kind of moment of emotional impact because at that point she was she alive was, right. as far as we knew. It was a very sudden thing the way it happened. I mean, yes. it was a couple of days there and then she was gone. So after Rogue One. And then you've got Leia, you know, they have that moment, which is just tying it to A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But Leia just feels feels kind of tacked on in Force Awakens, you know, mm. to me, yes. she does. Like, yeah. uh, even her relationship with Han is just, it's there for a few moments. Right. She's there almost just to, to, to have a familiar face. Right. And this is not a slag on Carrie Fisher or anything, but I thought that maybe that was because... Maybe Carrie, she's been out of the, the, the limelight in Hollywood in general for a while. Yes. You know, yeah. Ford's still been making movies, right. you know, pretty consistently, and he slips right back into the character. Right. And I felt like maybe there's this thought of there's a little, little bit more work we have to do with Leia. The, the truth is, too, Leia wasn't given all that much to do in Return of the Jedi. But to right. me, the biggest question mark right. that I felt like they just threw out in Force Awakens is there's almost, except for this brief sense when Han dies. There's almost no sense that Leia has the Force, Connection which is to the force, something yes. that we really yeah. find out. Return of the Jedi kind of leaves this huge concept on the table and ends the movie before we really get to see any of it, which is, I feel like now, if we were watching Return of the Jedi, if Return of the Jedi were a brand new movie at the theater, mm-hmm. Leia is your sister. We learned that halfway through the movie. Yeah. As, a, as I saw that movie as a kid, so I didn't have all these expectations. So it's just natural for me that the way things play out, the way things play out. Yeah. But when they are stuck on Endor and yeah. they're surrounded by stormtroopers, yeah. the stupidest thing in the entirety of Return of the Jedi is that the this is supposed to be the Emperor's crack team. He tells them, "I've got my my top right. guys down there." <laughs> Han, like, tricks them by running around right. a corner and, like, you know, slapping a guy on the back. Right. I just was like, what a big moment it would have been. the Three Stooges get here? And, and I'm doing my fanboy thing myself now, but a big moment it would have been for Leia to come out and use the Force right. and, and, and take these guys out. Yeah. Or, you know, along with the, the Ewoks, which made even more sense that the Ewoks turned the tide. I mean, there's right. a ton of them, but I feel like you need something a little bit you more. You need something a little more, yeah. So, that being said, so I literally expected Carrie Fisher to have... A few little scenes, yep. and then to be gone from this story. Yeah. So, and it surprises me when, boom, she's at the center of things. She is being General Organa now. She's yep. not just kind of standing there. We see how she leads. Right. We Ryan Johnson makes a point of how her leadership has developed and why mm-hmm. it is the way it is and how it is wise, right. you know, because we keep seeing these things where Poe, he's going to prove that he's the plucky guy that right. needs to put a shot of... You know, a, a shot of vigor into the resistance, but he's he's rebuffed at every turn, right. really, because it is he continues to be kind of hot headed. Without, right. uh, it's not that he his fervor is not appreciated, but you see characters, and we'll get to some of the new characters. Yep. Like you said, there's new characters that I actually care about and like. Right. And Laura Dern's character was one of those yes. characters that I was like very happy with how that character was handled and portrayed, yep. and. Their moments were big, and I thought I, I thought it was going to be a weak point because I'm like, oh, 
they got a great actress in Laura Dern, right. and she's just going to be the putsy, doesn't know anything general right. who's going to get everybody killed. Right. So it was fascinating to see them let that play out and then just flip it. Right. Uh, but a flip of perspective. So yes. I'm still getting away from the, the moment I that surprised me. <laughs> it's when Kylo, the, the trailer show, Kylo Ren is, Snoke has kind of pushed him towards, you need to wipe out your family. Yeah. Killing Han only made it worse for him. The right. conflict inside right. of him only grew and he had bigger problems. So he's going, the trailers look like he's on a straight mission to kill his right. mother. And I thought, that's that's crazy. Maybe that's not what they're doing, but that would be a way to get rid of her and have a right. big moment out of it. And, and But it doesn't feel in that moment. Like, if he kills his mom after feeling conflicted about his dad, we're, just, we're not going to wonder about his allegiance anymore, right. you know? So And sure enough, he doesn't shoot her. But then right. they come behind and shoot and her shoot anyway. Her. And she she's falling out into space and she's freezing. And I'm thinking... That's it. There's right. their moment, and now the resistance has kind of been beheaded. You know, they right. don't have anyone. Poe's got to step up. They've set this up perfectly. I'm not that happy about it, but there that makes sense because what else could they do? They had mm-hmm. to kill her. So, and I'm so kind of on that thought at that moment that I'm not. I don't even realize that it's kind of still going. And then boom, she's using the force. Right. She sort of like thaws out, or if she's got like a bubble or force right. bubble around her, and she flies. Yeah. Flies back into the ship like the flying nun or yeah. something. And I was like, <laughs> I watched that happen. And I guess that could be a cheesy moment, but to me it yeah. wasn't. I was like, that's right. I kind of forgot that Leia has the force. Yeah. And that was a that was probably the biggest surprise to me because it didn't feel like they had a choice. Right. The fact that they go on to develop her is going to cause them more problems in the next right. movie. But I'm glad they did it because I really like Leia in this movie yes. a lot. I feel like this is some of Carrie Fisher's strongest work since the very beginning. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting because this is one of the things that people are complaining about is like, oh, the inconsistency with force powers and things like that. <laughs> First of all, can I just say you're trying to apply a certain amount of like real life logic to a fantasy world. And second of all, this actually is not the first time that this particular concept has been explored. Force Unleashed, which was a video game that was released from Lucasfilm, which was actually canonized by Lucas into the Star Wars mythology. Um, he also made had, Metachlorians, though. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we there are some things we choose to accept and some things we choose to ignore. But the the main protagonist in that um, in that video game was Star Killer, and there was a point where did they name the base after him yeah actually i think it was (laughs) i think it was a nod to that um to that character um where uh darth vader jettisons him into space but brings him back and revives him so the force actually in the star wars mythology has allowed people to survive in space like that and why not it seems to be able to do a lot of yeah exactly honestly it comes down to the same way people debate certain aspects of religion i mean it's the same thing that but you're right we're talking fantasy here right but when you're talking about something that has inspired people to register their religion as jedi i guess i think there's larger (laughs) issues it's not just the force but it's how people interact with the force and what the movie kind of ultimately says about the force again you're right people are treating it like it's an ethos and they're like this is something that affects their worldview right in fact like how do i live in a world where star wars says that it's this thing right instead of that thing so what was one of your favorite surprises yeah so one of my favorites was hands down um and i was hoping no this hand went down in the first oh, oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> i was literally confused for a minute i'm like wait what 
That was good. That was great. (laughs) No, uh, it was, and I was hoping they would do this, but I wasn't sure they were going to do this. Bringing Yoda back. For me, that was just, Yoda is just one of my favorite characters, period. I loved, and if there's anything that can be said about the Clone Wars, it was when Yoda pulls out his lightsaber. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, Attack of the Clones. When Yoda pulls out his lightsaber and, and, you know, busts it out on Dooku. Um, to me, that was just that. That was a moment where I went totally nuts in the theater. Like, this is awesome. This is great. I did until he looked like Frogger. Yoda. Well, you know, <laughs> to me, I thought their battle scene with him and Palpatine was much better. And than I would Revenge agree. I think yeah. they, I think they developed the at least the uh, the graphics and things like that better in that. Well, that and scene. it almost doesn't make. I mean, as cool as it is to watch Yoda and Dooku fight with lightsabers, mm-hmm. and even had that stupid like this contest cannot be decided right. by lightsabers. Poor Christopher Lee had to say that. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense for them to fight without the force. Yeah, you know, like to jump right to that. Because so I like in the third movie they're throwing yes. And it seats at each other, yes. which is that—that that was cool. Like to yeah. me, that's the kind of thing I, I'd like well, to see. Well, in the third movie, Wars, yeah. you know, you have that humorous moment where you know um, he walks into the Senate and just kind of shrugs his shoulders, and both the Imperial Guards like fall, fall right? over, you know. Um, but seeing Yoda come back and not seeing him as the prequel Yoda—we were talking about this—but seeing him as almost the crazy recluse Yoda that he died as. You know where he's a little he's he's a little off in his mind. You know he comes back and and that is in full force. And so that interaction between him and Luke that you had in the second in uh, Empire Strikes Back is what you get here. And I and to me it totally worked and it totally played out perfectly in that in that scene. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I was similar in that we had just watched rewatched Star Wars: The Force Awakens yep. that earlier week with the kids. In fact, I think we finished it the night before we went to see the new one. So, mm-hmm. and I understood that Jen because I'd remembered. It. I'm like, man, there's a part of me. I really hope I don't know how they get him in there, but I really hope Yoda shows up. Yeah, I had no clue. I realize now if you look at IMDb cast list, uh, you can see Frank his name Oz, right yeah. there, Frank Oz there. But yeah. I did not know. And I know that Frank Oz's voice was technically in Star Wars: The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. as was Alec Guinness's voice, or yes. or whoever, Greg or right, somebody. Yeah. Uh, that essentially Obi Wan's right. voice was there. So I'm like, we hear both of them. Is there a reason we hear them? Will there be? It felt like that the door is open for right. that to happen. So, but a, I kind of forgot about Ray hearing right. Yoda's voice for reasons we can get into, but. When it the way it just pans over too. If, if Abrams had did this, you think back to Abrams revealing we already knew Spock was in the movie, but you know right. Spock coming out of a cave. It'd be this big moment. He'd have to walk out of the darkness or something. And this, we're in a very kind of desperate moment for Luke. Right. He's getting ready to burn the Jedi documents. He's just right. given up completely. Ray, he's kind of. Uh, pushed failed, her pushed her out. Yeah. It's not that different than Obi Wan right. and Yoda when Luke leaves to go face Vader. It's right. like you know, it's his own similar moment, and he's run up steps and then just pans over and there's Yoda, and like a perfect dramatic way to do it. Yeah, and it feels very natural. Oh, there's Yoda, and then to see him, as you pointed out, like not just not just emotionally is he not the character, which makes sense from the prequels. Right. He is a puppet again. Like yes. they've done, and and what's interesting is to me. They definitely, this feels just like, this almost feels like it just happened in terms of their interaction with each other. Maybe that's how forced time works. I don't know. Right. It feels like, and maybe that's it. You know, uh, if you are really at one with the force and therefore sort of omnipresent and watching everything, 
maybe it really is like just picking up a conversation with an old friend you had just a couple of days ago. You know, it right. does feels like he's picking up on that extended conversation that begins in Empire yes. and then happens in Return of the Jedi, which I always thought was weird because in, in Empire, he's still kind of like spry even though he's right. really old and he's jumping around and then when Luke comes back to him in Return of the Jedi he's like I'm really old and right. dying and you're like right. dude hasn't it been like a couple days or months yeah. it's been yeah. like a couple months maybe at most like we're not really talking about right, like right. a long space of time here. you would thought that like you would think it was like Luke coming back to him right, right now and it's like you were 800 you were 900 years old so 901 is right. the is the, is the give <laughs> it's out it's the cut off mark right but uh but anyway he is that character it's like yeah. picking up that conversation that ended when he disappears in return of the jedi and you're right he's the cackling weirdo yeah. like king lear or like ran kind of like which goes i feel like the elements of the bushido the samurai movies that were mm-hmm. that were present in the first two movies come back in this one you yes. feel that kind of samurai kind of feel just in terms of the jedi culture yeah uh, that it, that's embodied in luke and the sort of the ethos is front and center again so that stuff with Yoda, which we can get into, I loved it. It was a nice scene, and it kept it relatively light. Like, yeah. this is a very dark moment for Luke. It's also a very pivotal moment in terms of, like, I mean, Luke's going to burn the last remnants of the... the these yeah. guys dedicated their lives and everything they were to this yeah. to this uh, practice of the Force and to Jedi, like, the Jedi way. I mean, right. Luke, the whole... Republic fell really right. because of it, right. and they are just sitting there, and they're sort of nonchalantly burning the book. In fact, right. he's like, "I'm going to burn the books." And Yoda's there, and you're like, "Yoda's here. He's going to stop him and talk sense into him." And Yoda just burns the tree down, right. which is another thing. See, to me, when I see new uses of the Force, it makes me excited. It doesn't make right. me mad. Right. So I'm like, "Wait, it makes." But see, this makes sense. Yoda as a as a ghost or right. force ghost can summon lightning and burn a tree and people are like well why can he do that but obi-wan says and this was never cashed in on obi-wan <laughs> says to darth vader if you strike me down i'll be more powerful than you could possibly imagine right and then goes on to do absolutely nothing, nothing. but right. give luke crappy <laughs> advice I mean, but you know what i mean like yeah is that just is it is it all and that's why i started to think well maybe the jedi and and Lucas backs him up in the prequels. Maybe the Jedi really aren't that powerful because it all seems to be just their... It's all their own perspective. And, right. and, and Obi-Wan even gives him a speech about, well, everything according to a certain point of view. Right. So when I say I'll be more powerful than you can imagine, it's just because I'll be able to see everything. But right. there's a big implication here, which I think has huge uh, implications as the series goes on, yeah. that Yoda can physically interact with reality. The world. And he's almost physically there. Mm-hmm. Like he's sitting next to Luke. I don't think he's the Force Ghost. He's he almost has corporality right. for a little bit. Like right. it well, seems he like whacks him with his yeah, stick at one point. He hits him and they're like, <laughs> yeah. kind of like hugging it out. And I mean, like there he's physically there with yeah. him. So which is backed up a little bit, maybe not exactly. But then there's something that happens later. There's yeah. another kind of surprise that uh, does suggest that the way the Force works is a little different. Yeah, than maybe they've soon, but I'm okay with that. Right. I well, and I think I think it's one of the things to to note in this too is I really I've said this a lot um, since Force Awakens came out, and particularly since this movie, The Last Jedi, came out, and in the way that they talk about the Force and things like that, I said, you know, I think. I think Disney is moving away from what we know and think of in the Force when it comes to the prequels. 
I think they're pushing away from that. You know, never once do they mention midichlorines in this. Nobody's you know, mentioned midichlorine since Phantom Menace. Right, exactly. Well, I, well maybe, no, they talk about it yeah. in, in the third one where they talk about Darth Plagueis and things like that and, you know, manipulating midichlorines to bring people back to that's life. That's right, you're right. But I think that's stuff. the only place that is mentioned But again. they're yeah. moving away from that to this... You know, it's not about your blood anymore and the power that you have in your blood. It's about your connection to the force. Like, our, you know, like what we thought about with Yoda. Yoda was powerful in the force because he would meditate. He would connect to the force. He was trying to teach Luke that, you know, it's your connection to all things around you. It's not about what's in your blood. It's not because you're a Skywalker. And that's what we're seeing with Ren. And so I think there's a push from Disney to really move away from how we have seen Yoda interacting with the Force. I mean, I really think what we need to do is look at 4, 5, and 6. What do we know about the Force from 4, 5, and 6? It's actually relatively little. And they're exploring, based on the, based on that series, what do we know about the Force? Because the idea would be, well, if anyone could, be, could do these things with the Force, it, sh- it certainly should be Yoda. But I think what they're trying to do is say, you know what, what you know about Episodes 1, 2, and 3... Kind of push that aside. Take the original series and then bring it into the series that we have now. And they're expanding on that force knowledge and what you see with the force. You know, one of the coolest moments, I think, is at the end where Luke force projects himself across the galaxy. Right, which is kind of a huge thing. And I'm glad you said all that because I think that really, for a spoiler talk, that's probably one of the things we can focus in on and might as well just talk i think thematically is mm-hmm. what you just said it's almost surprising this movie doesn't end with uh luke nailing the jedi edicts to the church door yeah. or something because <laughs> in a sense you've got that kind of yeah that conflict of i mean it's kind of what he's saying is like wait well, everyone should be able to interact with the force it's not the exclusive purview of the church of the right. religion and the sacred texts in some instances are getting in the way right. you know that the uh, but I think there's a little more to it because, in, and in essence, too, Luke is basically kind of saying that the problem is that one of the Jedi tenets of the religion is that we can become completely sort of um, understanding of the Force to the degree that we become arrogant, right? And we become so certain of our own uh, feelings about the Force that what we interpret as the will of the Force is really frail human frailty so the moment when he contemplates killing kylo ren right it's not because he's looking to balance the force it's because he's afraid right of what this will start and what he sees he doesn't know what to do with what he sees and so he's recognizing that failing before with anakin skywalker that that failure that belongs to obi-wan and and to yoda right so it's kind of realizing it's like the Jedi keeps screwing up. Is right. it the Force that's a problem? Right. Or is it the Jedi? And that's a huge thing to say, which is right. essentially why do we keep coming back to what he's really saying is the cyclical nature. Why are we coming back to an empire versus right. a resistance? And it's because of the just completely didactic nature of very pure good versus evil nature of the Force, that there's Sith and right. there's Jedi. But what about everything in between? Is there anything right. in between? And there wasn't. Why? Because Jedi and Sith cornered the markets on the Force. Right. And they kept it that way. Right. And that's why you look... I mean, you see these ruling elements are, here's the Jedi. Right. And the Force controls all these things. And you're always wondering, like, 
well, what about all the senators and everything else that are making this whole thing run? Why right. is it always down to this small group of kind right. of stick-in-the-mud knights? And then you've got the Sith over here who are sort of trying to manipulate things. Right. Where's the in-between? Right. And I thought we were going to get some of that because the movie, the first movie almost implied the trailers. This is what I got in trouble for. Right, <laughs> right. Was that Finn, as a stormtrooper, would have the Force. Right. Um and there is that kind of feeling of like, oh, well, only Skywalker, you know, it's in the Skywalker right. blood uh, when it follows this thing. And so even if you look at the fact that Lucas suggests that Palpatine is Anakin's grandfather, at least I right. think that's what's being said. Right. At least Revenge of the Sith seems to me right. like Palpatine is basically being like, I'm your dad. Right. Like right. that symphony sequence we talked yeah. about. like I'm glad that Lucas doesn't have a moment where he comes out and straight says it. Right. But I'm... Pretty certain right. that's the that's implication. That's the implication, yeah. yeah. So, all of that has built up to this idea that the Jedi are noble. And that, and I think this is where the fan base is like, Jedi is such a thing. It's such a cool thing to mm. want to be. I want right. to be a Jedi. And it's funny because I was kidding with my kids. I'm like, are you a Jedi, Johnny? And Johnny just turns and says, you don't need to be a Jedi to have the Force now. I was <laughs> like, first off, let's remember the Force isn't real. <laughs> Two, yeah, you're right. You know, that's a different way. I mean... As a kid, our generation was, it's the Jedi have the Force. So this concept is interesting, and again, a little more real world, because you get into the different facets of something, whether it be a religion or be anything else. So that stuff, to me, was neat. The Force projection part was cool, because there's a joke early on where Luke says something like, so you just want, I'm just going to roll up in there with a lightsaber and fight the entire First right. Order army. Kylo Ren, the First Order army, that's what you want me to do. And everyone's laughing. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. And that's what happens. That's like, what at happens, the end, yeah. And in the minute, I'm like, you're going to do it. He's going to walk out here in front of, like, <laughs> ten walkers. And, and and Kylo Ren is just blasting him. And the minute that happened, I'm like, he's not even there. Yeah. What's going on? And I'm like, it's very... So th- let's talk about that scene because I feel like that's definitely also one of the um, probably... St- like grit in the eye moments for fans is so Luke has spent the whole movie and also 20 some years off the bench. Right. And I think that bothers people. And that's probably what bothered Hamill, this idea that Luke Skywalker wouldn't just run into hiding. Right. Well, let's, let's unpack that first because who were Luke's teachers? Right. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. And Yoda, both who jacked up a student. Right. Let everything go to, go, go to crap and then ran into hiding. Right. So technically Luke hasn't had a completely different example. Right. Uh, And in fact, that seems to be inherent in the Jedi. Right. It looks like piety. It looks like humility. It looks like a great understanding. Right. To be like, oh, you know, I've got to go atone. I think that they're trying to say that did Obi-Wan and Yoda really serve the force by running and hiding out? I mean, Yoda almost defeats Palpatine. Right. If someone could get him back on the ship, couldn't he do it again? You right. know, is it this this feeling of, well, the force is balancing everything and I have failed and I've had my time, I'm gone. Does Yoda do any favors instead of going and being part of the resistance and training new people to be Jedi? Right. He doesn't really serve anyone by hiding out in Dagobah. Right. Obi-Wan's even worse. He goes and hides on a desert planet, and then he basically takes this young kid, turns him into a human missile, and directs him directly at his dad, right. who he doesn't even know. I mean, right. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, he's literally like, go kill this guy. Right. Why? He's your dad. What? He's your dad. I mean, it's just like... It's not as if his previous example, right. all guys who are seen to be heroic and wise, like Obi-Wan's supposed to be wise, right. we're supposed to respect him. But when we think about his 
right. full arc. Uh, same with Yoda. I mean, these are fallen, flawed guys right. who who withdrew themselves, and that maybe not wasn't the right choice either. Right. It's and even in their training of Luke, they still don't tell him. I mean, they, right. they like Yoda seemed to be one of the wisest characters, and even he shows up and basically is like, "Yeah, the Jedi." You right. don't need this. Like it was right. like real page turners, weren't they? He's right. burning the books, and he's right. like, "Did you read them?" And right. He's like, "Yeah, real page turners they were, right. something like that." And he's referencing right. the fact that like you weren't trained with the books. Ray right. wasn't trained with the books. Right. Well, he makes that reference, like you know, everything that's in those books are you know, th- it, it's wisdom stuff. You know, it's like Ray already has wisdom; she doesn't need these books. Right. And know? with all of this wisdom. You messed up right. because you're human. Right. You, Yoda messed up. Right. Obi Wan messed up. Instead of of just drawing yourself out of the fight, you know right. that I don't think that the movie is necessarily condoning what Luke has done to hide right. out all these years. I mean, I also don't think it's that far off of his character. Right. Because Luke is essentially, I believe, uh, people don't think this, and I don't. I think. Ham, I remember Hamill though saying that his desires were for Return of the Jedi. He wanted Luke to come up with an eye patch and a skull right. and all this stuff. So, I mean, Hamill's ideas for Luke right. aren't. I'm not necessarily saying I trust those either. Right. right. Uh, this was back Return of the Jedi, and Lucas was like, "Nah." Right. So, and meanwhile, Harrison Ford's like, "Just kill my guy off." I know. <laughs> so, but in a in this movie, to have Luke. You think about who Luke is, and you're waiting for a moment where Luke runs in and slashes down like 50 guys with his lightsaber. When did Luke, maybe minus that quick battle on the with the huts, you know? Right. When does Luke ever cut anyone down with a lightsaber? Right. As far as I can remember, the only real moment where Luke uses his lightsaber in a battle where he's kind of killing people, and it's more out of a pure defensive stance, is Return of the Jedi. Right. On the barge. He right. does go after Vader to kill him. He's trying to save his right. friends and he's kind of angry there. But right. Return of the Jedi is where we see him. Literally, the, the Jedi Order is coming back with Luke embracing his identity right. as a Jedi. He doesn't have that in Empire. Right. So, when he comes back, you kind of feel like he's maybe been tweaked. He's been honing himself in. When he arrives right. at Jabba's like, lair, right. he's, you feel like he's done a little bit right. of work. Well, and Yoda says as much before he before he becomes one with the one with the Force. You know, he he's like, you know, basically your training's complete. There's one thing you have to do, and that's confront Vader. Right, and 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 again, it's like confront Vader. It's not right. necessarily kill Vader. So, but Luke's, if you look at his trajectory, particularly Return of the Jedi, Luke's always been more of a pacifist really right. i th- i would say yeah the pacifist has been more luke's uh style than this guy who's going to go in right. and kill warrior people. uh yeah so he fights in return of the jedi but he does basically enough to get them off of the barge and right. get them away you know he's fighting people he's not directly i don't think he's mostly deflecting laser right. beams and he knocks a few people in pit he doesn't outright murder anyone right then when he gets to endor and the Ewoks surround them. He allows them to be kind of captured right. and taken off to be... I mean, they could clearly kick these little teddy bears all over right. the place. Uh, he chooses another way. Right. Consistently, and obviously with 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 uh, Vader, he does the same thing. So, every time we've seen Luke, he's been more about being pacifistic. Right. And so, for him to have this dark moment where he thinks honestly, legitimately about killing this kid. Right. Who's not just a kid. Right. It's his nephew. nephew. It's right. his, like... 
flesh and blood. It's the Skywalker, because Luke doesn't seem to have anything going on. It's the Skywalker right. line in front of him there. Right. And he he has a moment. He says it's like a passing cloud of right. darkness. I really appreciated that because it was like, it's almost that idea that the thought in itself was enough. Right. He's like, I thought it. It passed through my mind. Right. And there was enough of an outward lingering that it destroyed everything. Right. It wasn't like he tried to kill Kylo, really. Right. It was just the simple thing of even starting to to engage the thought process. Right. To, to, to like, play audience to the thought. Right. Caused. And, and he was probably gone already, you know, right. for Luke to be at a point where I'm going to kill you because right. you've been turned. I'm also curious how they say, well, we Snoke, Snow, Snoke, how <laughs> Snoke had gotten to him already. I'm right. still a little curious about that. It's clear that Snoke has some next level like force abilities right. and is able to do a lot of stuff but apparently not good enough right. ultimately <clears throat> yeah but um so i feel like it's not out of character for luke to be a guy who has this moment right it's darker than anything he's ever had before right and then run into hiding well and i would agree with that because i think too like you've got to remember he has not been fully refined and trained yeah and, and i think the point too is he doesn't he doesn't do anything that egregious in comparison to his predecessors. Right. He's, and that's, I think, part of the point is, this is the Jedi. This is right. the best you can expect. Right. So, really, why are the Jedi so revered? Why right. Why? Why shouldn't they end? Because there's such a limited view right. of the Force. Such a limited aspect of the Force. Right. And I think that that is partially what Luke is seeing. We don't have any big moment where we learn that the Jedi are actually corrupt, which I right. think would be kind of ridiculous. But right. it's more that they are flawed, and right. the simple fact that they chose to be Jedi, that they chose to take this thing called the Force and sort of right. m- monopolize it as their right. own, was their failing. Right. Not not that they they uh, secretly murdering children all this time right. or something right. like that. Uh, so I I really appreciated that, and I thought that that was good. Right. There was nothing really done with Luke. That I objected to. No, I uh, agree. To be perfectly fine. And to be perfectly honest, yeah. I don't think anything was wrong. One there. of my favorite moments that was just, uh, I felt like it was just, it was it was wonderful. Uh, just the way it was shot, the way everything was done. And I've heard a lot of people complain that they hated this as well. Um, was <laughs> was the way he, he died at the end. And to me, I loved, I loved how he was sitting there. He had just gone through this huge moment of projecting himself across the galaxy. He'd engaged for himself in this mental battle of, you know, what was going on. Still, and, again, essentially pacifistic. Yeah, he doesn't actually, yeah, he, doesn't, he can't kill right. or hurt Kylo Ren. So when, and he says, are you here to save me? He says, no. Right. So you think, you mean, oh, he's going to take him out. And right. it's almost like, no, this confrontation is, and right. he says... When you wipe me out, right. if you wipe me out, you're going to have my death on your shoulders. So in a way, he's almost trying to put that on him. Right. He's trying to tip the emotional balance right. inside of Kylo Ren. He knows that I can't redeem him, right. but maybe I can push him. Right. Maybe I can push him even further into this tor- turmoil and make him weaker. Um, and, and he, you know, he's, he gets back up, you know, he like falls down after this, he gets back up and he's sitting on the rock and he's looking out. What an awesome reveal the, though, by the way, just yeah. to see, cause I like, I'm like, oh, he's, he's doing something. He's not allowing him to be hurt. Right. And I thought well, maybe it's a ghost story, but then boom, you got that shot of him right on the there. cliff side. Also, I, I don't mean to, to, to derail your thought. Yeah. Didn't was when he walks in, I'm yeah. like. Well, man, you get all this stuff's going on. You took the time to like shave your hair. You got right, your hair. Yeah. He's looking like dyed he, his hair. <laughs> when they announced that Mark Hamill, when they announced everyone was coming back, and everyone talked about Carrie Fisher, the person I was worried about was Mark Hamill because yeah. at the to- at the time they were announcing this, like Mark Hamill was, you know, 
he wasn't looking in top Jedi no, shape. No. I'm like, this is gonna not look great. Like, right. like he doesn't look right. like I mean, he's gotten in good shape. And when he yeah. came out there at that last scene, when he comes into the the, the base on the ice planet, another yes. ice planet or, or salt planet, or salt I should planet, say. yeah, salt planet. When he walks out there on the salt planet and he comes in. And and comes up to Leia. It's like that's the return of the Jedi. That is, that's yep. what he's trying to. That's the 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 image he's crafted for himself. But right. at this point, thinking he's actually there, I'm like, dude took all the time yeah. to groom himself on this little hermit planet, <laughs> and then come to see Leia and makes jokes about her hair and everything, you right. know. And then like, which I thought was a really nice scene. Like, yeah, that. it was. And then even better was, and this is I told those little moments when he just winks at C three PO, yeah, because he hasn't talked to C three PO really throughout the whole thing. And right, he just like. We're waiting for these little moments, and he just winks. And I thought that was a perfect kind of like that was the Luke. Yes. You know, it's like that's that's they who, capture that. Yeah. And I thought that they did a nice job all the way through. Like he's training range. Like you yeah. feel that? That's the force. That's he slaps her with the breeze. <laughs> you feel it? Like the fact they interjected that through it kept it from being dour. Kept yes. it from being Rogue One. Yeah. Yet with dark things. So when they they see him and he looks like. He's out there. I'm like, he's cutting the same kind of heroic figure from Return of the Jedi. Right. I think more effectively than Han Solo did, you know, yeah. in, in the last movie at Ford. Because he did look older. I'm like, this is this guy's got it together. And right. then you're sitting there. And, and Jen's like, I didn't even realize his hair was short. It's like, it was. Yeah. He was he was projecting the and a formidable vision of himself that was right. still plausible. Yes. He was he was the old version, but he was the all the Jedi right. was still there. Which shows it was inside of him right which gets to that point when he there's a weird thing it's not explored that much is like well how can luke sit here on this planet and not know that han is dead how right. can he not feel all this suffering right. going on and he says he cut himself off from right force which maybe people are mad about that too right that was an interesting idea well and i think that shows like the for- again i think it shows the force like yeah it's something you have an ability to connect or disconnect to which is Kind of, kind of fascinating because yeah. Luke is Luke is like she's like I don't feel you right You're taking yourself out of the whole thing right to do that doesn't seem that surprising that he wouldn't be reconnected because it's yeah. the force you know the force is the thing that binds us right and, you know that I'm not saying in reality I'm sure, saying sure. The, yeah. you know that's that's what Obi Wan says it right. binds us together it knits us together like. If you're outside of it, of course you're not a Jedi. You're right. just a, a broken guy right. with no no access to the thing that you know supposedly you thought gave you your power. Right. So then to take it back, like you said, yeah, you know, just that scene where like you know he's he's sitting on the rock and he's looking out and you have the setting twin suns on the planet he's on. You know, to me, like that was a great symbolic moment where, you know, we meet Luke and he's out looking over those setting twin suns and he feels trapped and alone. And then you have this scene where he's looking out and he's now, he's at peace and he's ready to go and he becomes one with the force. And he just, he just goes like, I really enjoyed that, but I know so many people who were like, that was so stupid. That wasn't the way he should have gone down. That wasn't the way he should have gone out. And I just, I saw that as that, that is a sweet wrap up to the beginning and ending of his because story. Because they've established that there aren't two two suns on that planet. Right. They've you know, we've seen scenes of it rising. There's only right. one. So right. what he's seeing at the end, like you say, is literally he's he's connecting back right. to that kind of moment right before everything happens yeah. for him. Before he engages with the force. Before Luke is even really aware of what the force is. Yeah. It's that moment the next day, everything after that day yeah. is Luke's journey into the force. Right. So this is like it's kind of the same thing because, right. to me, 
you've got Yoda's in the Force. You've got that thing about you will be more powerful. We're starting right. to learn how powerful the Force is. Right. And Luke is starting to realize how big it really is. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's not so much unlike Obi-Wan where it feels very much like he's killed. Right. It's almost like he upgrades. Right. Like, I mean, it's like right. that. And if you want to tie it to, like, the, the religious allegory element sure. of, like, someone ascending, like, to right. heaven or something, like, uh, it's almost like he's, this is the first day again before yes. the new stuff. The new before stuff, Before yes. I get to see how big the force really yeah. is. And it's like a moment of triumph and peace. And again, that kind of Bushido, that Zen, I'm right. achieved that Nirvana kind right. of feeling. Um all of those different sort of religious allegories, how you want to see them, are all kind of like pieced together in that moment. I thought that was beautiful too. Yeah. I mean, the little bit on the nose, but I thought it captured it. And again, in a sort of subtle way. So right. it's very much a visual representation of right. tying that together. And I agree with you. I thought that was beautiful and dramatic without being like too manipulative. Yeah. Like not overly emotional. And like how else would you have wanted Luke to go out? Like. Right. I kind of felt he was probably going to die right. at the end of this movie, even before the movie started. Just right. kind of a feeling I had. And I was like, man, it's kind of junky to kill a guy, uh, one character off a movie. So now right. the only person who's left is a person who's actually dead, dead. in real life. <laughs> right. Um, so, but the way it handled was handled, I did think, was beautiful. I thought the arc of his story is, it is, I'll admit, just like Hamill and everyone else, I didn't think this is the way... I wanted Sky see Skywalker sure. go. It's true. It's not you know see him hermited and like right. everyone in pain after all the, the throwing over the empire. Nobody wants to see that. Right. But it makes him more human. Right. I'm I'm glad they did it. It make it gives him an interesting arc. And again, I I feel like there was some good character development and some good humor there. Right. Uh, there's still the problem to me. This is where that minor, like you say, the kind of half star kind right. of thing comes in. Is the problem with the series is as much as I enjoy the new characters. They haven't been given a whole lot of reason for being. Yeah. And I like Finn. I like Ray. I like all those people. But I don't like them as much as still Leia and Han. Right, you know, they're right. getting all the big moments yeah. kind of in a way. And and this movie doesn't actually course correct too much of that. Right. I'm more interested in Ray, but they don't really do a lot with her. And, and is there anything else you really want to say about Luke? Because I kind of feel like... That's about yeah. Up, no, I, I think. think you know. Again, I think you know the things that we hit on were you know the, there are things that I feel like you know could have gone either way. Like I could have seen the stoic Luke who you know came out of you know yeah. the um, came out of the destruction of the empire who goes in a hiding for the sake of the safety of those around him. But no, he goes in hiding because he's shamed. And you have that scene with Yoda coming in and like. You know, and, and I thought this was a great thing that Yoda was ta- was saying to him was it's not about, you know, don't don't just teach the successes because the Jedi haven't had it. And Yoda just as much says that, you know, it's not that we've had we've had failures and we've taught through the failures that we've had. You and, know? and he makes the point about, you know, the the masters, the the the, the learner, the, the right. apprentice is always going to outgrow the master. Right. Like, that's your goal. Right. The goal is to get to the point where you're obsolete. Right. Painful process. But right. You kind of have to embrace it. And right. so, yeah, all that stuff I also thought was great was the buildup of Star Wars The Force Awakens. The, the moment where he's standing on the hill. And I think this is why people are mad because this kind of thing is like, right. you're left at this moment, you're like, he's about to say something. What is he going to say? And she hands him his lightsaber. He throws <laughs> he it, over his shoulder, it over throws shoulder. over his shoulder, runs away, hides in the hunt. And the first yeah. thing he actually says is, go away. Right. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay. I mean, 
I liked the humor. Most uh, yeah, of the humor in the movie I thought was good. And it was definitely based off of a kind of circumventing yeah. your expectations. Yes. Uh, him throwing the lightsaber. The first, the moment where I actually really like the scene where Poe is basically saying like, oh, excuse me, who? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, um, General Hux, I'm sorry. Right. I'm still holding. Still like, holding. Like, yeah. It's not a phone holding joke. And that was where I kind of felt like space balls. Like, I'm right. like what's going on here? So this movie... The Porgs. My kids are so excited to see the Porgs. Um, I, I would say this about the Porgs. I, having a cute creature in Star Wars doesn't ruin it right. in and of itself. Right. The Porgs were treated as a part of the ecosystem on that planet. Right. They were less gross than giant creatures that Luke was milking. Right. Um, but they had that kind of sense of like a kind of like Norwegian little island rock with the kinds of birds and creatures yeah. that were there. You know, you felt like there could be dodos on the other island. The little Porgs... They were fine. They didn't do anything to me excessively annoying or right. cloying. The fact that Yo- that that Chewie is cooking one right. was a kind of funny. Uh, was kind of roasting it up. Um, they did something very different, which maybe does tie in with the uh, the rancor bit. Is I felt like the attitude towards the animals in this movie were more like there was a stance if you will, there, because there's the whole bit, too, with the racing animals on, right. the, on the kind of Vegas planet and the foxes. And I'm not saying it's all just this environmental message. Sure. But when Luke is trying to teach her that the Force is about being connected to all things, the right. movie kind of is reinforcing that, where the Porgs kind of stare at Chewie until he decides not to eat them. And eventually, right. like, he could have thrown them off the ship, but he's got four or five of these things, like Tribbles, just running all over the place. <laughs> and the fact that he's kept them around, they're almost like living bobbleheads, you know, they're yes. running around on his ship. And the one is stuck at one point it's stuck yes. on the on the side of the ship looking out as if it's like a one of those little suction cups i'm like i like that i don't care that you know uh kylo eventually just smash hucks into the wall like at the end he's yes. like a literal punching bag eventually yeah i mean you know a new character that we get in here um is laura dern's character um vice admiral um trying to find her name um but I Vice really... Admiral Diane, that's what I Yes. No, no, I made oh, that up. No. Diane was her character in Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> it probably doesn't matter. She is, right. she is the Vice Admiral. She, so yeah, the Vice Admiral name, It's here. a stoic, stuffy kind of last name. But I liked what they did with her. I mean, you know, in terms of what you were saying, like showing you something, you know, interesting in the Star Wars movie, something we had never seen before was what she did was use the ship to hyperdrive into another ship. Which was a great scene. Yeah. Visually and how it was shot, too. Yeah. Like the way you see it just splinter. Every, and, yeah. And, and a quick visual, not like, not the big explosions right. like you're used to. It's just a very quick flash and silent kind of scene and almost a yep. still image. And uh, that was a great, and a great culmination, like I say, we see this character who has a very specific reason for doing what she's doing. Yes. She is operating at a very specific level and... People are viewing it one way. Right. Poe is, you know, Poe has this big plan. He tries to right. put it into into fruition, and that's where uh, it goes with um, with what's his name with uh, with with uh, Ray. Right. Um, a Finn. Uh, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the plan to for you know, there's this whole plan, and this is what you were talking about in the last episode about, or in this one, however we're doing this, how. You know, things don't always go according to plan. There's this moment where Poe has, you know, just committed mutiny. He's taken over. And he's, you know, he he realizes that everything is hinging on Finn getting to this thing and destroying it so that they can get out of there. And he realizes that they failed. 
that Finn has not completed his goal. He's not completed his objective, and he's not going to at this point. Yeah, and that was interesting. So, And, and we can talk about this, but for Dern's character, it's pretty kind of straightforward for the most part. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really get where it's going until towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and then you're kind of like, oh, that's why they cast Laura Dern. You know, she gets some good moments. They could have done right. more with her, but right. I was happy with how it was ultimately handled. Yeah. Um, Poe's fine. I, I mean, he, he gives you his kind of interest, this interesting character but he also isn't that intrinsically interesting i yeah. think that that's the thing is these are clearly the new batch the new hope kind of characters mm. and we're realizing our old characters have stepped into all those roles that were held in the new hope right but they're just not they really intrinsically aren't as interesting i don't think i mean yeah. even ray who is compelling and daisy ridley plays her really well with a right. lot of energy i don't think that that they quite match up, you know. Yeah. Um, but they're they're trying to give them the nuance. So Poe is fine, but he's the least interesting to me of the three leads. Mm-hmm. He was last time. He still sort of is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn is more interesting to me. Finn is a character who, I if anyone you want to see a lot of growth from, it was him. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really his growth movie, I think. It is a little bit, but it's more about him kind of figuring things out in part and parcel right if you will like he's on he's still ready at the beginning of this movie to do what he did with the first order which right. is run which is run away right. so we're still trying to like well finn doesn't really have yeah. a big arc in the first movie right. except that he ultimately decides to put himself out there for his friend right right but he's still trying to kind of do that he wants right. to save ray right he's still got that in his mind but he hasn't gotten to the point where he's ready to truly face like the first order right. Right. And give himself over to this bigger right. thing. So then you get this character of Rose, right. who who you think that's what she's trying to teach him, which right. is, or that's what she's going to teach him, is that she has this sister who just died, mm-hmm. uh, sacrificing herself for the greater good, and that right. Rose is here to show you, here's how you fit into the bigger piece of things. Is right. like she before all else would understand that it's important to give yourself, right. and they have that humorous bit. She's going to prevent him from getting into the escape pod, right. and then she goes on the mission and. It's a little heavy-handed, I think, the pointing out of the yeah. what's happening on the planet with, um, you know, the racing animals and right, stuff like right. that, and that she's the the they're releasing them was fun. I thought that moment was sure. good, and that you kind of see the kids in the stables as almost yeah. Dickensian, and they're kind of whipping at them, and then you have that moment towards the end where you see the kid, the kind of nice moment where you just kind of subtly force see him grab force the, grabs yeah. the broom, and it was again not done in a big moment. You don't see the right. hand grab it; it's just quiet, right. little thing, and he goes over, but. Seeing all that world was fine. That's to me where it started to feel a little prequelish, more like Firefly or right. a TV show. This is sure. where I'm like, this is more of an arc you'd, you'd have when you had a time for a whole episode, right. not necessarily a movie. But I right. was fine with it, and I enjoyed it. And to me, it pointed to how the prequels could have handled their sequences better. Yeah, like I again, this is an offshoot story. It doesn't come to fruition. Benicio del Toro, I could leave or take it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like. He's the safe cracker that they're looking for. And he does, uh, I will say, he doesn't really, there's like he's a Lando character. Not really. He's just an opportunist. He kind of right. lays that out. Right. He didn't purposely sabotage them. Right. He tried to help them until it was no longer in his best right. interest to do so, which is a neat scene where it looks like, oh, yeah, this is a good guy because he gives her right. the thing back. Because you know what? Because he didn't need it. Right. It was of no value to him, so he wasn't going to withhold it. Right. So he hands it back. When it when his neck is on the line, it's a different story. Right. He, 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 like tomorrow... You guys will be on top, and they'll be on the bottom. Like, right. I'm just going to leave. Uh, it's a little heavy-handed when he shows them the ships, and it's like, oh, right. they build ships for both of us. 
So the kind of thing is, well, where is Finn's story exactly going? He gets right. a moment where he, he fights Phasma, who's probably the most... You talk about wasted character in the yeah. story. It was Gwendolyn Christie. I, is she dead now? I mean, I'm right. not really... I don't need to see her again. I didn't think I was right. going to see her again to begin with. But right. And uh, she's under all that armor, so it doesn't even matter. But he confronts... You know, he has right. to confront the First Order. He goes through all of this to accomplish something and then it ultimately just doesn't matter and in fact right. it puts them in a more dangerous spot because they thought they had it and they didn't right and he's been away all this time when he could have been going to ray he could have been doing anything else right and instead he's done this so for me i think this growth for finn is really about learning those nuances and the dichotomy right. he's learning in some instances the same thing ray is learning by being attached to kylo ren and realizing he still has emotions right and feelings that aren't simply i'm evil and i'm right. the dark side so it's Finn's way of learning the same thing, but what he kind of picks up at the end is something that Luke and the others don't ever really get, which he's getting ready to sacrifice himself. And I'm like, is we really going to be the end of Finn's right. story here? I'm like, then you really have wasted this character. Right. And the character who you thought would be the person to sort of make him see, here's your place. You, you're right. just a, the, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs right. of the few or the one kind of deal. She shoots her ship in this way and knocks him out of the course. Yeah. It's like, no, you're more useful right. alive for tons and tons of reasons that have nothing to do on whether we live or die today. Right. And that's after we've seen like 10 people sacrifice themselves. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah. I, I, so to me, in some ways, Finn and, and Rose's story was more interesting. Rose is kind of almost more interesting because she really is a kind of side character like her sister was. Right. A character that has no great destiny per se. Right. So she can do whatever. Like right. she's more interesting because I don't know what you're going to do. Right. Like, you, you're How much just, longer are you going to be alive in this storyline? Yeah, and what do you have to say? You're just, you know, you're more organic in some ways. Yeah. You know, because I don't know what your story function is. Right. And that's kind of makes it fascinating because she's right. a person. Yeah. No, and I agree. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed was that there was a lot of there were a lot of moving pieces in this that really came together and worked well together. There you know, I I actually for me, I enjoyed a lot of the mysteries that were out there or a lot of what people would consider the letdown moments. Like, you know, we find out, you know, who who Ray's family is. There are Nobody. Yeah, yeah, there are a bunch of drunks who let who abandoned you and sold you so they could buy more drinks. Like So I have people I hear people saying, and I can see Abrams like tapping into that. I feel like Ryan Johnson gives them an out there because it's Kylo right. Ren who's saying this. Right. And and we've seen that she's connected in some way. Right. And we, we hear Snoke say, Yeah, I connected you guys. But right. she has seen Luke's Island. She's seen right. all this. But Luke explains it by saying, well, maybe you're part of the Force. Right. You're connected to the Force. And you also went right to the dark. That's interesting because right. they point that out. So I like that her parents are nobody. Right. And what's more is Kylo Ren says, look into it. Feel it. You right. know that they all, you know and always have known right. that you're not a Skywalker, that you're not part of this great story. Right. But Luke's just told her, or maybe Luke hasn't yet, but this is what the whole point that they've been going towards, right. which is that that's not the case. It's not about the Skywalkers right. having a stranglehold on, right. again, force stranglehold, if right. you will, on the powers of the Force. Right. And so I liked that reveal. Right. And, and people were like, well, that was so disappointing. It was leading somewhere. It's like, yes, some elements, Ryan Johnson is just retconning stuff right. that happened in the last movie. That's kind of hard to take in some instances, but. I think that that's okay, but right. it's again, this is one of those things where it's going to be largely what they do with it. Right. If this is it, Ray has to come to her own sort of understanding. Right. And I guess the biggest issue is Ray doesn't, after that moment, 
uh, she's already fought alongside Kylo Ren, right. which is one of the best scenes about the yeah, movie where they, they fight together. And yet she's talking, well, the reason I think he has good in him is right. because I've seen this. Right. And everything she's seen comes to fruition. Right. He's not conflicted anymore. Right. He's, he kills Snoke. Right. We fight side by side. All right. that happens in, 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 in the last scene of this movie Kylo Ren is still irredeemably evil. Right. He is chosen to be as such. Right. And he may remain evil. And right. that but I think they're still going to explore that. I, I would agree. I'm I'm going yeah. to I'm gonna find it very strange if they don't have those two characters interact more. Right. Um it's funny because they had better chemistry. You know, I, I see they introduce her to uh Poe at the end and I'm like oh right. is that going to go for a romance right. I kind of hope not because Yancey has more chemistry with Ren I don't, not, I'm not trying right. to ship anything here or right. say they should be together but like there's a lot of back and forth there and it's right. interesting that they're both trying to sway each other to the other right. side you know in the old one it's a Luke and it's like oh join the dark side and right. Luke's like no be good and like right. here there's a more subtle sort of entwining right. of that idea well, I think one of the things that they're pushing to, and I don't, again, everything's a mystery at what is going to be kept in the storylines and things like that. But you do have the storyline of uh, an order of force users who are what are considered neutral. They're the gray Jedi. And she even, she has a gray, the clothes that she wears in this are gray. And it's a symbolization that, you know what, I'm not evil. I'm not, I'm, I'm a person. And so... I'm not bound by this strict code of the Jedi that makes me light or dark, you know, right, that exactly I am, right. you know, like Ren is clearly dark. Kylo Ren is clearly dark. He's clearly evil. He has no compulsion about doing and making the the wrong decisions, the bad decisions, killing people. He, But Rey, you know, when Luke says, oh, you went straight to the dark side, Rey seems to be able to go to the dark side, but not be impacted by it just like she seems to exist in the light side but not have it direct and dictator she is in control of both sides of the force at the same time at least that's what it feels like so it seems like and i think the thing is ryan johnson set up a lot of interesting stuff the question is will abrams will the studio particularly after they see this we've got this huge opening but then you do have this kind of like seeming backlash but is it a backlash or is it the fan base and i think I don't know if there's a lot more I want to talk about. I like Again, I love the, the whole movie. I yeah. can't really think of anything. I mean, there were things I had issues with. Uh, I do need to see... I say it's about a lot of movies. I do need to see them if they're going to make another one, which they obviously are. Mm. I, I'm i almost not sure where it can go, though. You know, right. like, I know right. where it can go, but, like, so much of this feels like it's... It's... it's, it's um more powerful by being open-ended right. not really completely sure what kylo ren is going to do right uh, he's now the head he if he's not going to be the ultimate villain who is right. are they going to bring some other force right. in because snoke is dead killing snoke was huge i thought oh, like, oh yeah and then people complain well we didn't know who snoke was that was the thing of just trying to read too much in there yeah snoke is not that interesting in the right. first movie he's he's not interesting in that much in this movie right he kind of is a self-styled Vader fanboy. Right. You kind of made the point. You're like, well, I don't know what... Like, the, the throne room kind of looks just like Return right. of the Jedi. And yet, I see Snoke talk so much about Vader. Right. And we and then we kind of realize why Kylo Ren is so obsessed with Vader. Because right. Snoke is obsessed with the Empire. Right. And he's, like, trying to... Right. It's like seeing a new dictator just, you know, Rice. pick up the right. old stuff and put it in his throne. Like, look, I'm, I'm going to be great because I'm going to be just like them. Right. And... I thought that's what that was, not yeah. so much. Because at first I was like, what? And then some of the talk, it's like, oh, it looks this way because he's so 
right. up the the butt of the empire right. and his mind. They're so like right. amazing. Yeah. 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 No, and I agree. Like for me, not knowing Snoke's backstory to me makes uh, I'm fine with that. To me, it's like the Emperor in the original. Like I didn't need to go back and learn about the Emperor from the prequels. Like the Emperor being this vague, powerful force user is to me what made him great. Like he's also just kind of a symbol. He is sort of that like devil deceiver right. sort of. He's just an embodiment of the dark side of the right. force. I mean. Everything he says and does to Vader and to Luke is just this this dark clouding yeah. of, of it's a manipulation of yes, the people. He's and, trying yeah. to play upon fear. He's right. just he he almost couldn't didn't even have to be almost be anybody at all, right. you know, uh, in that sense. But so I I thought that was fine, and that was a to me a satisfying moment because right. I think something's going to happen to Snoke, but it's like what choices do you have? Either he's just going to Ray's not going to die, right? So Kylo Ren's going to have to do something heroic, right. but he they he does that. He fights alongside her, and again, it's one of those things. You right. see the sides; it's like he doesn't kill her. Right? He doesn't. Uh, she saves him. She right. doesn't have to. Uh, she's so adamant in her desire to see him redeemed. Right. He sees this very powerful person he can be a part of. I feel like the ultimate result will be something in the middle. Maybe. Right. Maybe what we're headed towards. This is me spitballing is not so much a complete destruction of things, but some way to really finally bring some kind of balance to the Force. Right. Which is, which becomes the question, has the Force ever been balanced? You know, Anakin Skywalker is going to bring balance right. to the Force. Is he really going to bring balance to the Force? Uh, does he bring balance to the Force by killing the Emperor? That's what I think we're led to believe, right. but clearly not. Right. So, is he bring balance to the Force because ultimately he has Luke and Leia, who right. in turn have, you know, has right. Kylo Ren, which, you right. know, and Luke does these things... Does the balance of the force come over generations of, right. of behavior? Right. And I'm interested. So I'm legitimately interested in for yeah. a sequel in a much different way. I'm worried too. Right. In right. a much different way than I was for Force Awakens. Where yeah. the Force Awakens you just want to know like that answer to a mystery. Right. I'm not as much interested in mystery. I want to see what Where are the implications right. of that scene at the end with the little boy staring right. up into space, which is a great evocation of Star Wars in general. Right. The whole series the hope and the like inspiration yeah. it in, inspires and it seems strange I just want to end then on the whole we're talking about the fandom thing right it seems so weird that people kind of rejecting something that and this is because i like it and you don't but sure i've heard people say things like it was you know it was a terribly made movie it absolutely was not i right. mean i think objectively you can say it's right. not a terribly made movie right um you know it wasn't dramatically interesting i I disagree. I, right. I feel like you so specifically needed to see... This right. movie is about burning the Jedi tradition down the ground. But to me, right. that's at the heart of Lucas... When Lucas decided to make this a samurai movie in space, right. they you go back and watch classic samurai movies like right. Harry Carey, like The Seven Samurai, anything that Akira Kurosawa made. It's always about, ultimately, usually, the samurai realizing that they are a dying breed right. that are corrupt at the level of the samurai lords right. and that ultimately the system has to be brought down right and it usually ends in a bloody suicidal way right <laughs> so that's still the heart of star wars this yeah. is in no way to me this is more the heart of star wars than something like the force awakens which is so slavish that it's not moving the story forward right. or moving the universe forward so my last question is when is a fan do you kind of let go of the reins a little bit or 
how do you find a way to enjoy something with and, and still be a part of it, make yourself a part of it without this kind of to me almost unhealthy yeah. uh parasitism, if you will, where you're just you're, you're trying to you're holding this thing so tightly you're like Lenny with a rabbit yeah. and then it's like dead. Yeah. You know, I wonder if part of that too is like we mm-hmm. we live in a technological age where everyone is a movie critic. Everyone is a movie maker. Everyone is a th- you know, and like, all opinions can be out there at the same exactly. time, regardless of there isn't this idea anymore of well, if you want to be out there and have your uh, opinions heard, you got to work through and, and right. write for the magazine or do right. whatever. You're right. Like I, I decided one day I was going to be a movie critic, and right. three months I was a movie critic. You right. Know? And and so I think like I think that's part of it is like you have everyone who has this feeling of entitlement to. I own X. the part yes. of this, and it needs to be this thing for me. And I, exactly, I've built it into my life. You know, people have Star Wars weddings, right. and I'm not, I'm not, I'm in no way saying any of this is bad. Right. But it's like when you make it the point where, like, Luke Skywalker's like your dad. Right. What I did to my dad. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's not my dad. Would never do that. Right. You've just disparaged my family. That's slander. Right. Yeah, and I think, but I think that's what you have going on. Like, it's not so much like, it, it's not the idea that you have. You have movie critics out there who are who are guiding the opinion. And, and, you know, people have always been in disagreement with movie critics over, you know, periods of times. But, like, they're no longer the only ones that have the voice, the public voice, the public opinion. Right now, you know, I could go out there and I could set up a YouTube channel. I have a, you know, I, I have a podcast. These go to 11. I could put my opinion out on that podcast. And, you know, maybe sometime down the road I will. But, you know, like, I'm doing that here and now with you. Like... I'm just a regular Joe Schmo who got together with uh, someone who, who, well, but (laughs) somebody who, you know, legitimately has some credentials in the movie critic industry. And we discovered we have a love and a passion for movies and we started doing stuff about it, you know, like, but that's what you have intensified by a million now. And I think there is that point when it's like, can I love Star Wars and love other things? And, and what I... I think we've discussed this sometimes, even with um, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You know, it's a fun thing. It's fine. It's not sure. my thing. I I don't quite get into it. But you've you've pointed out that there's people you've played games with people that are so intent right. and, and so fastidious with how they build all this. At the end of the day, you're like, dude, why don't you just write a book? Right. You know, because like yeah. your game here, your fun has developed into a creative endeavor. Right. Does people out there with Star Wars ideas throw Star Wars out of the title and just do you know? Right. It's it's fun to be a fan of things, right. but is there a point when like is your creativity being fraught? You're pouring your energy here, right? I'd say if you're not happy with Force Awakens, don't go and write some Star Wars fan fiction or write right. something else. Do right. something else. Do take a story and do what you want with it. And right. I mean that's what Lucas. Peop, the thing that, that that bothers people and it, more about Lucas than anything else. This is regardless of his movies are bad or good. He refused. He, right. He adamantly, continually refused to do anything else than the thing he wanted to right. do. The Phantom Menace had terrific backlash. Now, I do think he was probably forced to to draw Jar Jar way back. Right. But at the same time, he didn't. He he just kept doing things the way right. he wanted for three whole movies. Right. And if people love the prequels, I'm glad that they do. Uh but I have to respect that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Again, they were exactly what he wanted to make. And you have that latitude. Like right. you're saying, just like you could sit here and do a podcast and talk about Star Wars, I could do a podcast and come up with your own radio play. Right. Or 
you know, if if you're influenced by the serials and the the radio dramas and stuff like that, uh, do something. Right. And I think that that's the point. You have to let it go. Let it inspire you for what it is. Right. Um. But let's be let's be a little bit objective. Right. A little bit, and not always so subjective. Let's be able to appreciate. Right. You know, Disney and Star Wars, they're turning them out. I mean, this thing could have just been another okay. by the numbers. I don't believe that it is completely. Right. It's still a little Disney-fy, but it's got some emphasis. I'm glad that the Rose character is in there. I'm glad right. that we get a jaunt onto the Vegas planet. I I like those things yeah. about it. So. Well, you know, it's interesting what you said about Lucas, because I remember seeing an interview with him um, shortly before... Um, the Revenge of the Sith was coming out and he was doing this, um, I think it was on 60 Minutes and it was just this short little clip he did. And, you know, somebody, the the person who was interviewing asked him, you know, what do you say to response to people who, you know, tell you that this isn't how it should be? He said, look, at the end of the day, this is like my house. Now, I might be in a neighborhood and I might decide I want to paint my house red and somebody says, no, it should be blue. Well, maybe it should be blue, but this is my house and I want it red, so I'm going to paint it red. You know, and that was, that's his approach is, you know, unapologetically, these are my movies. People can go and see them if they want to or not. And I think ultimately the proof in the pudding is going to be how many people are actually going, how many people who are now complaining about The Last Jedi are going to go out on day one when it comes out on Blu-ray and buy a copy. Oh, I think it's, all it's, of them. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, stop. and you're still sitting here saying, well, this right. was terrible, and this was that. Right. Um, and then again, he states that armchair kind of critic thing. And then people have been calling Star Wars junk. Um, even back when it was just the critics. Right. You know, you'd have one person say this, and another person say that. And it is what it is. But part of what makes Star Wars interesting is it's, it's always kind of like, when it's good, it's always a little bit messy. It's never right. perfect. I think that it's true of all the movies. None of them are perfect. Right. Um, I'm glad we're still. I'm glad we're still making Star Wars movies. We're still making Star Wars movies where I could be legitimately surprised. Sure. By things that happen in them, uh, and I really did enjoy this one. And yeah. I was glad to see Luke Skywalker again. I was glad to see what they did with him. Yep. I enjoyed the fact too that I feel like there was some actual thought put into yes. the story here that we can sit here for this long and discuss concepts and themes in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think. Without sitting here and having to bicker over every little thing, yeah. like, well, why, why Obi Wan's the guy who had a a bad Padawan? Why didn't he come back and talk to him right. instead of Yoda? Or, you know, why wasn't uh, Anakin, right. who's his dad? You right. know, why did Yoda wait so long? Right. <laughs> I mean, you could get into that. You kind right. of at some point have to go with the story, right? And in that respect, I am very happy with what we got. Yeah. And I again, I think it's better. It's probably the best. Star Wars movie we're going to get from here right. from here on out. Like right. probably the best we could have expected. It's probably the best we'll have. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be proven wrong, but Right. Well and I and I think I think you're right. You know, I think until we get a new series outside of the Skywalkers, which that's what we're being promised. Yeah. You know, after after this last one, um, you know, I, I think I don't think there's anything that we're really gonna sit there like we did with the first three movies and just you know eyes on the screen jaws dropped like wow that's amazing it's not going to happen special effects wise yeah. even concept wise we've just we aren't there yeah. um anymore that was a very i mean there are new ways to get there sure and star wars is not it yeah i mean it's just not like and and this kind of proves it goes back to the fans want the thing 
right. they recognize. Right. To me, though, Last Jedi was very recognizable right. as a Star Wars movie. I agree. It just didn't follow every single yeah. drumbeat that you wanted it to follow. Right. So... Yep. Uh, well, that's it. Um, Nathan, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on. That was Great a time. mega podcast. <laughs> so we, we were in, in the interim between us where we stopped at that dinner. We were talking about <laughs> other potential podcasts. I think Nathan will be back. Um, we were talking bad 80s martial yes. arts movies, which I, I, we did, we, I think we talked once about Big Trouble in Little China, but I don't think we've gone down the full no. American Ninja. No, 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 no. Ninja or uh, any of those Delta Force, yes. the, can, the canon movies. Oh, um, yes. So anyway, that's it for us. Uh, Have a great holiday, everyone, and uh, we'll be back soon. Take care.